Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the doctor as he travels the vortex and landed episode number 195. I went for minimalist and came out with massive eyebrows. I'm Keith. I don't think that's how that goes. It isn't how it goes. But I'm the leader. I have the eyebrows. <laughs> I'm Sean. <laughs> I'm Glenn. I actually like the line better the way he did it, though. Hey, it was a good line that way. I, 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 that. I had to rewind it for, to catch it. I went for mentalism and I ended up with magician. <laughs> <laughs> there were some really great lines in this one, too. Oh, there were. Ah, we'll get there. How are you guys? Good. Did I say I'm Glenn? I am Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. <laughs> good night, everybody. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Oh. Don't go, guys. Don't leave. All right. Well, I guess I'll do this show myself. Uh, All right. I'm going to bed. Get out. Here's what I did this week. Um, <laughs> what did you, you guys do this week? <laughs> Nobody's going to believe that was footsteps in a door, Sean. That was totally a door slamming. Foley Artist is not in here. <laughs> I'm pretty sure somebody has endorsed me for that on LinkedIn. <laughs> I should, uh, I should endorse myself for that now. Hold on a second. Let me log into my LinkedIn account. I Have you ever done that? No. <laughs> it's actually do. a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, in sound school, I did it. Fully art. Oh, fully art. Yeah. Not, not endorsing yourself no, on no, LinkedIn. No, no, fully art. <laughs> That's what I thought you were going with. I thought he was too. No, no. Being a fully artist, that was a lot of fun. What did you do fully for? Uh, we uh, did created an audio track, like dub. Uh, dialogue and everything for this like short five minute film huh. and created sound effects for fighting and running and stuff it was really cool I had the DVD or VHS somewhere I, I guess technically for one of my shorts I did replace some audio that I had to go in you know a squeaky door and that kind of stuff I would go oh, in that's fully did you record but the squeaky door I actually went and recorded oh, a yeah, squeaky door so fully. I didn't fake the squeaky door yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that's fully that works well then, yeah, I did. I've always thought I could be a good Foley artist. I just, where, where do you go? Where do you, you gotta go to Hollywood <laughs> to do, do that? that yeah. You know, it's, it's not, it's not like there's or a need for Foley artists in Topeka, Kansas. <laughs> I think nowadays though it can be easily, not quote unquote outsourced, but you can record it wherever and send it where it needs. Well, especially in the days of you know, MP3s. It's, and it's much audio, easier audio now to be elsewhere and, and get Foley work. That's true. Enough about Foley. <laughs> For those of you just joining us, maybe you found us at TopCon this weekend. Welcome. This is pretty much how it works. <laughs> we are Doctor Less Who Foley podcast. and more Foley. <laughs> we are Doctor Who podcast. We'll get around to it eventually. <laughs> if you wait around long enough, we might hit your other fandoms. <laughs> what uh, What did I do this week? Uh, there really wasn't much this week, and I'm going to skip over what I did yesterday because Sean and I will talk a little bit about it later. But today, well, earlier in the week, my son, I told him on the way to school, I said, we need to go get haircuts this weekend. And so he said, yeah, that, that's a good idea. And then maybe we can go to lunch at CeCe's. And I went, yeah, maybe we can do that. I don't know. So then he proceeded to tell his mom the next day that dad and him were having a man's day out and we were going to get haircuts and go eat lunch at CeCe's. <laughs> so he already had it planned out. So she texted me and said, are you guys having man's day out and going to <laughs> get haircuts at CeCe's? And I said, well, 
yeah, I guess we are. <laughs> so, so we got. I got up today, and uh, he and I went to get our haircut, and then we went to CC's, and then we actually went and got ice cream afterwards, and then we went to. Then we got home, and apparently it was still Man's Day because Dad's because <laughs> Mason says, "Dad, you want to play some Minecraft with me?" And I, <laughs> sure, why not? So we played Minecraft for, for about an hour or so. And uh, so that was Man Day. So oh, that's nice. we, we hung out together. Dad and, and son hung out together. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, that was it. We watched. Uh, we finally got around to watching Doctor Who because we were so busy yesterday and then so busy again today that managed to get it watched t- this evening with the family. So that was it. Not a lot during the week. Just mm-hmm. lots of work. Sean, did you do anything besides uh, Top Gun? Um, I worked. A lot. I went to school a lot. Um, did get a movie in. We watched Monsters this week. What'd you think? I enjoyed it. Mm. I'm Mel yeah. and Billy did not. <laughs> they were they were kind of mad on it, and I, I think it was just, you know monsters. Ooh, okay. Because there's going to be monsters, but you don't really see them. It, 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 you, you, you've seen Godzilla, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. You've seen monsters or not? I have not seen monsters, but I know of it. I know about it. Literally. Godzilla is almost a shot-for-shot remake of Monsters with more effects. <laughs> it's it, it, it's kind of s- the same dun, 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 plot pacing beats. Well, and then the here's, 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 here's the thing: Godzilla, yeah, the yeah, same it's, same it's, same it's the same director. But here's the thing: I'm flabbergasted. There's as much monsters in Monsters as there actually is, Cons- especially considering the budget. It's a four million dollar film, and it looks. I don't know, twenty twenty five million easy was spent on this thing. Yeah. But beat for beat, it's this is going on, this is going on, and then here's that scene with a monster. And then we retreat and go back into and it's very similar to the kind of peekaboo effects that they did with, with the Godzilla film, but you know, done this way. I, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was really cool. And I loved the ending because it's I did not expect the ending. Yeah, I didn't yeah. Un- until the one guy does the the, the, the yeah, the bit, and then it was like, oh no, I know where we're at, and then I had to go back and rewatch the opening to make sure that I understood where I think that it went. <laughs> so I thought it was really cool, but Mel and Billy were like, eh. I'm a little worried about the sequel. Did you have you watched a trailer I for it? I heard that there's going to be one. I haven't it seen the trailer. It looks like uh, he's not doing it. It's somebody else, right? Is, I, I thought it was him. Oh, is it him? I could be wrong. I didn't look into it. I figured he I would have been trailer. on to bigger and better things like Star Wars. Well, he might not be doing it, but it looks very. If if he's not, it makes sense because it looks very much like Blair Witch Two. Uh, yeah, it's not found footage. No, 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 because no, Blair Witch Two wasn't found footage, so it's not staying in like the same vein. It's like a bunch of it's following the soldiers now, and it's like uh, he means uh, it's a drastic format change. Is what yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a drastic tonal shift from what they did before. Gotcha. I don't know. Could still be interesting, but it depends on how well it, it's yeah, done. Yeah, maybe. the trailer did not make it look interesting. But uh, so that's out there on Netflix land. If you guys are interested, go check that one out because I enjoyed it. I oh, it is cool. on Netflix. It is on yeah. Netflix. Oh, okay. And then um, after the busy Saturday, um, I, I no, no spoilers at all. <laughs> we broke down and ripped open the Doctor Who Risk set that, that I acquired, and uh, and and actually played a game because Billy kind of been doing this and I'd kind of been doing it a little bit and Mel's like Ugh, I don't know how to play Risk but okay <laughs> so we, we sat down and, and taught Mel how to play and um, had a good time it was cool so cool. We'll, we'll save that for when we actually review the game yeah, yeah. but yeah I, I couldn't wait sorry guys I had to play it understandably <laughs> um, and then a really long 
cruddy day at work today. Uh-huh. So, but yeah, I, I did uh, I did watch uh, Colony in Space this week. By the way, I just got curious because I'd heard such great things about it. That's uh, oh, the Doctor the, the, Bur- the Bur- yeah. one, mm-hmm. Doctor okay. Colony in Space. That's one we haven't gotten to. We haven't, so we have I'm not going to review it. But I, I, it was quite enjoyable. There's some things about it that I knew going into it, and then there were things about it that I didn't know going into it, and. Mm. It's, I will say it's probably one of all of them. Oh, yeah. wow. well, wait, you're going to own all of them. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's one that I'll own soon. Oh, okay. Let's put that that way. Yeah, you're right, I'm going to own all of them one day, but it's one that I would own soon. It, it jumped up my list of two buys. Ah, nice, okay. I, uh, let's see. Started Buffy Season 4 in Angel. So that's not very far into that. Uh, watched Oblivion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remembered your review being favorable of it, and me still being kind of mad. Remind me the... It's the Tom Cruise... Oh, right, right, right. Not Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Did you hear that they've, they've, they've kind of officially backed off the title now? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. They on, rebranded on the, on, on the DVDs. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was the most genius marketing move ever. But you're not allowed to do that. I'm sorry. You're not allowed to do, what is it, live, die, live, die, repeat, repeat, and then colon, edge of tomorrow. No, I'm sorry. You can, that, you can, if it, you screw it up the first time, you don't get to change it. But it wasn't, it maybe, was, I acknowledge it's a genius piece of marketing. Maybe if it were the reverse, edge of tomorrow, colon, I could accept it a bit more of the no, after because, the fact. That, because look at a new hope. It didn't have that initially. But but that's the problem. Edge of Tomorrow is the meaningless part of the title. <laughs> that should be the subtitle because it's, it's the... Eh. Uh, it, it's, you know... It depends on if they want to franchise the, it. The film should have been called Live, Die, Repeat <laughs> right off the bat. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was thoroughly impressed by Oblivion. I, I It started out... I was like, okay, this is kind of what I expected. And I thought I had figured it out. Well, Glenn wandered off. So I guess spoilers... Spoilers if you haven't seen it. Okay, so uh, I kind of suspected the idea that, I knew, obviously from the trailers we knew humans were still around. I kind of suspected, oh, that's what these aliens are. But I did not f- fully expect the wife and the clone reveal. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What impressed me is, watching the bonus features, I-, I couldn't put my finger on what it felt like. And the director, who did Tron Legacy said he wanted to write and make a film that was what inspired him to make films. 70s sci-fi films. And I'm like, yes. And he that, named off exa- a couple that I can't remember which ones. But yes, that was exactly what it, it was. It felt a lot like Soylent Green or yes. uh, uh, a Silent Running or, or that kind of stuff. My only qualm with that movie is that darn opening dialogue. I, the voiceover at the beginning, I think, is completely unnecessary. Especially when it repeats itself at the dinner scene. It just... I, I had that issue with it too. Once, <laughs> once I heard it again, I was like, "Well, that's not really." That's it. the one part of that movie that completely falls apart for me. It, it's such a genius, everything, but you give me this big chunk of exposition right off the bat, and it's pandering. It's just simply pandering. It's, it's meant to make you buy into the situation. But I, I but would, I didn't need it. I, that's just it. I would have been much more curious about the mystery that you were saying and why all these. Why does the Earth look like this? And what with these bombed out cities that are gorgeous. overgrown? Yeah, all these gorgeous ruined landscapes. I would have been curious, I, I, but you told me everything that, right up front, so I'm like, oh. That makes me wonder if that was partially studio involvement. I, I really think it had to be studio involvement. We need something, because it almost sounds shot like 
They just lifted the script and copied it over. Yeah. And they didn't even change it. So that was really good. I don't know if I'd own it, but I'd highly recommend it. Because I don't know if it ha- how much rewatchability it has. Uh, and then we went up to South Dakota this weekend for my uncle-in-law's 70th surprise birthday party. So it was a surprise birthday party. It was party. a surprise birthday I didn't know party, that. yeah. We uh, took off Saturday morning, bright and early. Me, Sarah, Mike, Sarah's brother, and our nephew, Audie. So traveling five and a half to six hours with a five-year-old. It Been there, done that. Surprisingly, <laughs> went really well. <laughs> Considering Audie can be kind of hyperactive sometimes. Especially for whatever reason when I'm around. Because I'm his play buddy, so... But he was really well behaved. We had it. Uh, Mike brought his laptop. I brought Star Wars, and he was good to go. <laughs> <laughs> he got uh, in this order: Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, and Phantom Menace. Well, Menace watched. Menace <laughs> watched on the way up and down, and then started a New Hope. On as, he doesn't know he got those out of order. Yeah, he did. Oh, right. <laughs> he, he'd seen them before. I don't, yeah, I don't think he. he he knows mostly the story through the Lego Star Wars games. Sure. Because sure. he's done that more than right. watch the movies. Because I don't think they own them. So I think I know what I'm getting him for Christmas this year. Because <laughs> he was... And he was pretty much quiet while watching them. Even Phantom Menace, he was pretty quiet. And he didn't really fall asleep during it. I mean, he fell asleep a little bit during Revenge of the Sith, but that was near the end of the car raid on Saturday. Huh. But then we... Um, we got up there and got everything set up, and had he had was very surprised. Didn't expect because other family, not just us, came up from around uh, to surprise him. And then we left the party and went over to uh, this amusement park type area and played some laser tag, which was fun. I hurt my legs. <laughs> <laughs> and then we uh, <coughs> went and grabbed a bite after that and went back and. Hopped in the car this morning and drove back home. Got back like four o'clock ish, exhausted. The family wasn't there, and boy, were we surprised. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I did on the car ride since Sarah drove most of it. Um, finish Conspiracy of the Planet of the Apes. I want a second volume because <laughs> it only goes up to the end of the first movie. And really, we don't follow Zeus and Cornelius and Taylor and Zira to the Forbidden Zone. That all kind of happens post the book. So it's not even all the way to the end. But then the epilogue, who is a nice little bit that kind of fixes part, another little small bit of Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Hmm. And so it sets up that he could do a whole second book filling in the gaps of Beneath the Planet of the Apes leading up to the escape. Because while I theorize that we're going to see how they got the spaceship, you do, but that's all you get. It's dragged out of the water, and that's it. So it kind of leads him up to that point. And it really answers some questions I never really thought of before. Like, why is it ANSA? Why isn't it NASA? They broke off so they could get better funding. Like, just these little small touches that I never thought of. I could always was in the back of my mind that, wait, ANSA, that's not NASA. What, what's, what is this? And I never really dropped a line in the movie that I remembered yeah. to explain I just it. assumed that at some point in time in the future, we assume that ends are superlative and stop using them. <laughs> but it's 26 ANSA. letters is far too many. <laughs> the, the, the end's still there. 
No, it's but it's A in the, but, it's, but it's in the middle of the word. Yeah, but that's just rearranging it. That's well, you can't get it. rid of all of them. I mean, my God. And. But NASA, there is no N in there. Well, except the, for the front. Not at the beginning. That's right. So you, you dropped that one. Answer. Okay. I don't get your logic. There. I don't understand your logic either. There's, there's no logic to it. <laughs> <laughs> and some other um, nice bits with Landon on kind of, well, if there's this other talking human, why isn't there more chaos going on? And it really does a good job blending what we know with the future and like also dealing with where's Ursus during this whole first film. It tackles all of that, too. I highly, highly recommend it. If either of you guys want to borrow it, I will lend it to you. And the artwork is amazing. I think that's it. I think that's all I did. All right. Well, let's move on to news. News. First up, some sad news. Angus Lenny passed away at the age of 84. Um... You may not recognize the name, but that's okay. He was in the Ice Warriors as uh, I'm trying to find it as Penley, meeting the ultimate end as he misjudged the antagonist antagon, antagonists of the uh, Ice Warriors, and then he was also later in Terror of the Zycons, the bagpipe playing uh, keeper of the Fox Inn, where unit made their base. So, unfortunately, he passed away uh, in a nursing home uh, after being ill in recent years. Mm. So, but hopefully he had a good long life. I wonder if bagpipes were played at his funeral. I'd hope so. On to a bit happier news. (laughs) Uh, Doctor Who, yet again, has earned top spot at the U.S. box office. (laughs) becoming habit. One day and one day only. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that it takes. This is for the deep breath. This um, is for its deep breath uh, Monday showing. Broke box office records on, to the 25th of August. We theaters where it ranked number one compared to all of the films that Monday night. And keep in mind that the number one film of the summer... And it's trending to become the number one movie of the year. Was in theaters that night, which is Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, so it is it number did one movie. Better. It, it is, is now. It is, okay, yeah. it got there. So, and it's, it's now the fourth highest grossing Marvel movie. Okay, so it it beat that out that night. So, bravo! <laughs> it doesn't give a total box office numbers, but other than that, it uh, made number one. Woo-hoo. Now, did it even make a dent in the week? No. <laughs> but 650 theaters, that's yeah. pretty impressive. Oh, yeah, and it's a small number of theaters, too. We were talking about Doctor Who, guys, in <laughs> theaters. How crazy is that? <laughs> Never thought we'd see the day. I mean, can, can you... You maybe. Can you imagine <laughs> no. ever that there would be a concept of... So, a new superhero movie came out. But on this one Monday, they showed Doctor Who in the theater. I know. And it made more money than the superhero movie did. I know. I know. Crazy talk. I, just from where I've started, I can't believe how big, how much it's blown well, up since I, I got on board. And I got to be a small part of that. <laughs> this time. <laughs> you yeah, guys got to true. be a small part of it last time. No, you didn't. Because yours wasn't an official showing. 
And it was on the day. It wasn't the Monday. No, ours wasn't on the day. Ours was on the Monday after. So I can't remember which record. But I went back and saw it in 3D, so... Did no, you yours wasn't on the Monday after. You saw it in at no. We went Armor. and saw it at the Armor Road. Yeah, but that wasn't a that wasn't a Fathom screening. Right. That's what I'm saying. Is, yeah, yeah. You're, he's, you're he's saying I'm he contributed, saying, but we contributed to the. But then you guys went on Monday, which was the yeah, yeah. which was the record. Oh, yeah, we did go to the 3D yeah. together, didn't no. we? No, or different showing, different showing. Yeah, okay. You went to the so we, we you went early and you went late. Yeah, we yeah. both contributed. No, I think or reversed. Or reversed. Okay. Scratch that. We both contribute. We've all contributed to the box office success of Doctor Who. <laughs> That's right. Let's just leave it at that, shall we? <laughs> uh, final bit of news, a bit of exciting for at least the three of us. Some Christmas special cast have been announced. Nick Frost. Nick Frost. Well, quite quite a crispy, crispy, Christmassy name. Yes, and maybe crispy. If you don't know who that is, go watch Spaced, World's End, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Paul. Any other recommendations? What was that? Um, Hyperdrive. 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 Yeah, sci-fi I haven't seen much It's also that. on Netflix. You need to. You need, James seen. has turned me on to it, and it's. Re- I've only really seen good? like the first episode, but it's hysterically funny. I saw it. It's really, really, really good. He also had a new movie not too long ago, Cuban F- Fury. Cuban Fury. <laughs> Where he dances. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh, it's some it. sort of. Love it. Flamingo dancing. I love Nick Frost. Me too. Hopefully he gets a better role than Sean and Pegg did. Sean Pegg? Sean Pegg. Simon Pegg. Yeah, Simon. okay. <laughs> He's Sean. Well, I like Simon Pegg in it. I thought he had a great role. Yeah, he was... Oh, he lo- I loved it. He knocked it out of the park. He oh, was he so good. he did a good. great job. He was, he was... Could he have had a bigger, no. more important role? No. His role was the most important. For that episode. Allow, yes. me, to re- allow me to rephrase my, my, my misgivings. I hope he gets a better episode. Oh, see, I, 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 I didn't mind that episode either. I don't like the long yeah. game. It's okay. Oh, yeah. I, it's not one of my tops for that season, but I thought it was a good episode. And mm-hmm. I, I thoroughly I just, enjoyed Simon Pegg. I, I feel like Simon Pegg was wasted as the editor behind the, the Jagger. No, Post, here's, why, here's why I don't think so. And the reason being is because he so could have been put into a Simon Pegg role. And that's what they didn't do with they him. Did break, and I they loved did, that. They broke, they broke stereotype. No, I, I don't they have broke a stereotype. I love the fact that they broke stereotype. But they stereotype. could have also done much more that with let him Simon while still Pegg, breaking That let Simon ball. Pegg just kind of be able to branch out and do something different. And I love that. And that was the first thing that I had seen Simon Pegg in other than those typical Simon Pegg roles. So, no, I I, I disagree. No, I, I didn't want to see him do the Simon the best, Pegg shtick. He was I the just best wanted part to see that. him. He was the best part of that episode. Agreed. He was the best in part fact, of the episode. That's probably why I liked the episode because he, <laughs> because of his performance in it. I just uh, wish it was a better episode. The Jagger Press is me. Also in the episode, Michael Troughton, son of Patrick Troughton, one of the sons. One of the sons. Now is Michael the one that's been in this before? I think David's the one that's been David's in it. the one. Michael's yeah. the writer. Michael has not been in it. Before. Michael's the one that sounds like his dad. Um, no, I don't nope. know. I think David sounds a lot David's like his dad, too. David looks a lot like his dad. Which one's in Gotham? Isn't that one of the Trouton sons, too? Is in Gotham? No, that's Pertwee's son. Pertwee's son. Yes. Sean Pertwee. Sean Pertwee is in Gotham. Okay. He's the lead in Gotham. He's Gordon. He's not, he, no, he's not Gordon. He's, he's not, not Gordon? He's, sure? uh, yeah. I thought he was Gordon. No, he's, uh, Alfred. Or Alfred, oh, yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, that's right. So, God, my brain is I mean, tonight. Yeah, yeah, sure, right. <laughs> Who you're, knows you're what totally Fox right. is going to do with it? He might have a lead. Yeah, no, you're totally right. He is, he, he plays off Alfred. You're right. He you're was right. also on Elementary. Oh, I did not know that. Uh, uh, 
playing Lestrat of all hmm. characters. Yeah. I can uh, see that. Yeah. Also joining Natalie Gum- Gummied, Gummied from Coronation Street, uh, Faye Marseille from Pride the White King, White Queen, bleh, and Nathan McMullen from Misfits. <laughs> you know who that is? Which one's Nathan? The replacement. Oh. The replacement for Nathan? No. The replacement for Simon. Like season four when we've... Oh, everyone we, else is gone. We didn't get very far into season four, did we? No, but he was on there. He was kind of the, the creepy one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, hopefully he gets a better part than he had on this side. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. So that's exciting. And Moffat, of course, references Tintin since they worked together on that. Frost and... Oh, that's right. Frost was... Uh, yeah. I forgot that. Well, both... Both of them. Both, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they were the, the two detectives. Um, I love Tintin. You know... <laughs> I really like that one. Really this, like is, this is going to be off topic, but since we're talking about crossover <laughs> Doctor Who actors... I watched Captain America: The First Avenger again this week. Hmm. The JLC. I remember that. I remember that, that uh, Jenna Coleman was in it. I remember Ooh. that Toby um, Jones. Jones. No, was in no, it. no, 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 no. Yeah, that's right. Toby Jones, isn't it Jones? Toby Jones. I knew that Toby Jones was in it. I knew that. Um, who's the other crossover? Yeah, I don't know why. Tommy Lee Jones. No. Oh. Uh, there's another one. Okay, but. I'll go to the new one that I totally forgot was in it. Uh, David um, uh, Ventures in Time Space, Filch, uh, Solomon. Bradley. Uh, D- David Bradley is David in Bradley it. David Bradley was in it? He's, the, he's in he's Captain the, America? He's the watchtower. Or the what? The, the, no, the, yeah, he's the watchtower keeper. Where the skull and... and uh, um, uh, what's really what's Toby's, Toby Jones's uh, character's name? Zorloth. Uh, Zorloth. Zor- uh, Zor- when they crash through and they come in and he, they go in and they find he's the one that's protecting the thing. He's the old guy there. Oh. Yeah, totally David Bradley. I was watching this and I'm going, that that's not... That, that is David Bradley. Really? Yeah. And I don't know why for the life of me I can't remember the other ones because it's somebody obvious, but now I can't think of who it is. I can't think of the other one either. It, maybe it'll come to me. But yeah, there's, there's at least four. <laughs> uh, Interesting. Uh, there. Yeah. I crazy, can, huh? I can, conf- I can definitely confirm... Crazy, uh, huh? David Bradley. <laughs> well, I knew it was David Bradley as soon as I saw him. I just didn't realize it the first time I'd watched this it. This just in. Glenn's not crazy. <laughs> At least on this. Yeah, David Bradley. I think it, You're not thinking of Natalie Dormer, are you? No, I don't believe I'm thinking of Natalie Dormer. Is that another one? She's not on... No, that's a Game of Thrones cross. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, oh, the, one, oh. she's the one that Max on uh, Captain America yeah, yeah. makes with her face jealous. Uh, shoot. No, there's another one. Interesting. I didn't know David Bra- I- Richard Armitage hasn't been on it, right? You know who should be on Doctor Who, though, while we're talking about Captain America? Hugo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's get Hugo weaving on yeah. Doctor Who. Oh. I'm not sure we're going to get him back for Captain America if they do return the character. Come on. Oh, I've been reading about how he was discussed. He didn't. He did not enjoy his time on making Captain America. Really? Yeah. Oh. He's such a cool guy. He is, and he did a phenomenal job, job as Red Skull. But. Um, sorry, I derailed us to, to talk about that, and, and yeah, I'm totally excited. Oh, I wanna, if, listeners, if you know who that fourth one is. Yeah, because I, I counted four that night, because I was like, oh, well, there's this, 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 and now this. So, 
Hmm. I don't know. That's it for news, though. Yeah, irrelevant. Huh? Irrelevant. I know. Irrelevant. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's move on then to feedback. Oh, wait. No, 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 no. Sorry. Nope, One more bit of news. Oh, wait. Yes, no. And I'm jumping away ahead. There have some, been, been some con announcements. Guest announcements for uh, Doctor Who cons. There have been. You want to take the first one? Sure, because I'll stop looking up Doctor Who actors in Captain America. <laughs> which does pop up if you type it into Google, interestingly enough. It doesn't give you any results, but <laughs> it's, it's one of the things. Uh, first, uh, Galley. Well, maybe we should do the other way around. We should since Chicago do Chicago Tardis first since it's coming up first. They have added Noel Clark. Snipe in the new Who trifecta of Billy, Noel, and Camille. Or Mickey, Rose, and Jackie. Yes. For yes. those of you that are. <laughs> so that's that's, that's And cool. that's in addition well, to the and, classic. And Ricky. And Ricky. And Ricky. And that, that's in addition to the classic trifecta <laughs> of Frasier, Wendy, and Deborah. Or Jamie, Zoe, and Victoria. There you go. I don't want them to feel like Although they're Zoe only Victoria, the characters. Zoe and Victoria were never together, so. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> It's, that's kind of a, um, a one degree of separation. <laughs> Who was it? Victoria and Zoe were never together. It was Zoe right. and Jamie yeah, okay. and Zoe and Victoria. Yeah. Yeah. Never. I thought maybe I tripped you up on the five doctors, but then my brain reset and went, no, because it's Jamie and Zoe. That Jamie and Zoe there as well, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Gallifrey won the uh, uh, Doctor Convention uh, in... L.A. in February next year. Um, Galley 26, I don't remember what the name of this one is. Uh, they've announced, uh, announced a, uh, a big uh, grouping of people, including some uh, returning guests, such as Travis Ritchie, who plays Inspector Spacetime from Community, but not actually on Community. Uh, Morgan Shepard, who played Canton Sr. Well, no, he's not Canton Sr. He's Morgan Shepard. He's just Canton. Uh, he's just he's Canton. Older, but he's, he's old Canton. He's old Canton. Um... Nick Briggs, uh, of course, uh, voice of the Daleks and the Cybermen. Um, and uh, the big one, I think, is Gemma Redgrave, who uh, just recently starred as Kate Lethbridge-Stewart in the 50th anniversary special day of the Doctor and has come back several times. So, yay. Well, yay. she hadn't been back yet since the 50th, but... Uh, well, I guess she started in Power of the Three and then came yes. back. Yeah. She's yes. had two appearances. So. She's had two. That's several. <laughs> Where's Gary? <laughs> so, since we're talking about cons, we're going to transition to TopCon. TopCon! TopCon! Well, this weekend... Not the official, official theme song. <laughs> this weekend, uh, <laughs> Sean and I attended TopCon. I think it's Topeka's first major comic book convention. In a very long time, anyway. In a very long time, anyway. Well, there hasn't been one since I've been here. So I've been here 20 years, so... In a um, very long time. <laughs> anyway, it was one of these things that uh, one of our local guys uh, just really, he had the space for it and realized he had a weekend available and that wasn't booked for this venue that he and his wife run and decided, well, he went to a couple of guys and said, hey, could we do, would you guys be interested in doing a buy trade show um, for comic books and art? And they said, yeah, that'd be a great idea. And one of the guys that... Uh, <clears throat> Is one of the was one of the vendors who uh, owns Oddfellow Books. He said, "Well, why don't you get the, ga- the gaming community 
involved. And so they got involved and thought it was a great idea. And then it just kind of really kind of snowballed into this, you know, basically a science fiction convention um, that had um, lots of sellers and buyers and trading. And they had some presentations. They had gamers there. Washburn had the uh, gaming club there um, running demos and showing games. Um, they had uh, the, the the big draw or the big name, I suppose, was and and I don't know how many people actually do know this guy, like in 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 our in our, in our realms, but um, the Enigma, who does a uh, one man uh, geek sideshow act. Um, I think one of his things is he kisses a running chainsaw in his act, um, but he's also <laughs> he's also very tattooed and he's got he's done some body manipulation with horns and things like that. And he really he, likes he's looks, with the jigsaw. He does. He has jigsaw puzzle. Blue jigsaw. And the place pieces. that people might actually be familiar with is he was in the uh, episode. Uh, the episode escapes my name, but he was in X Files episode uh, with the sideshow uh, carnival guys. And he actually played. Now here's a stretch. He played a character called the Conundrum. So, <laughs> uh, so he 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 has been in that. I think he's done some other uh, small parts, but he's he's really known for humbug. Uh, humbug. Yes, yes. Um, but he's really kind of known. Wow, for how his, the mind has slipped. Years ago, that would have been right. Yeah, absolutely. Just I thought the like, same like thing. being able to recall Doctor Who titles. I, I could have pulled that thing. out of the ether, but no, I had to look it up. Um, so he was there <laughs> as as a uh, special guest of the con. Uh, the other special guest was the uh, Iron Brothers of Topeka, and some people may actually be familiar with these guys. They go by Ibot, which is the acronym for it, and they actually build these really incredible. Uh, Iron Man costumes. They've got Iron Man, Iron Patriot. This time it was War Machine. Well, this time it was Captain I- or, uh, Iron America. They, Iron they, America. they actually changed the, the mm-hmm. costume a bit. Oh. It's I, Iron I, I America it was now. The shield. Um, and then they rescue, got, right? Rescue. They had rescue, and they had. But you don't uh, see that one very often. And then there was there was a Black Widow, and there was a uh, Stan Lee lookalike. Which my gosh, the guy really looked like Stan. If I understand this correctly, and I could be wrong, but I think that's their dad. I think so. <laughs> I think it's a whole family. Thing well, yeah, because it and they, they kept trying to find a way that you know, and finally he he because he wanted in on it, and they said, "Why don't you dress Stan Lee?" And he's been at several of the events, including Planet Comic Con, yeah. and. Where he comes dressed in the the running type suit with the little uh, members only jacket and shows up and he's got the Stanley look and he always poses in front of him with this and it's uncanny how much yeah, he yeah, looks yeah, like Stanley. Anyway, the Iron Brothers uh, they've recently won uh, Denver Comic Con. They won best uh, costume, I believe, was the most was recent. I think is the most recent one that I was talking to the mom, their mom, and I thought Denver was before Chicago. Oh, maybe Wizard Con because Wizard Con was just they won at Wizard Con. Okay, maybe it was. I thought I, I got the impression talking to her that Denver was more recent, but I may be wrong. Well, they, anyway, they, the Captain they, America. Like, that, like, maybe that's what it is. The Captain America one, uh, or not Captain America, but one of the Iron Man suits won in Denver. Okay, maybe that's what I'm thinking. And then of. they built a similar Cylon robot from Battle yes, the original no, that, Battlestar. That's Rackham. the one. That's yeah. the one. That one in, no, in the, Chicago. The, yes, you're absolutely right. It was the uh, the Iron Man costume, and then yeah, they they've obviously built this wonderful Cylon warrior, which Sean and I have uh, pictures up on the on our Facebooks. Uh, we'll get something. I have maybe a few. I haven't got all of them. I've got a few yet, uh, shared over to Traveling the Vortex, so some people have seen yeah. some of those. Um, but anyway, the phenomenal cosplaying uh, uh, family, and they really do a nice job. Um, and then you know, just a, a lot of fun, just hanging out. We uh, talked with a lot of people. 
Uh, met a lot of people. Uh, did a lot of networking. Red Dalek was there. Red Dalek was there. Yeah, though I don't can't can't forget that. And who won the costume won contest? The, yeah, that's right. So congrats, Red Dalek, friend of the show, Red Dalek. That's right. Can Daleks be friends of the show? Yes. But can Daleks be friends? <laughs> if, I guess if its name is Rusty, <laughs> <laughs> that's what he needs to change his name to, Rusty. Oh, speaking of, real quick, I forgot one of the things that I did this week. I am down to one character that I need to drop in season six of Legacy. <laughs> and I even moved forward a little bit in five. I got all the way up to, um, I got Tasha Lim, and I got whoever the next person was, and whoever the next person was. <laughs> And it's so memorable. I haven't played exactly I who they were. I haven't played with them yet. The one guy's from uh, Beast Below. Smiler? No, it's not the Smiler, but it's the other oh, guy. Oh, that, yeah, because that's my That later. guy, yeah. See? Nobody knows I don't remember guys. anybody else from other than Liz Tan. Oh, from yeah. Beast Below. Liz, Liz Tan. That was the other Oh, one. that's who it is. is. Oh, okay. No, there's a guy from, from Beast Below. He's got gray hair and. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's like the Smiler operator. Yeah, that guy. Oh, okay. I don't know. Anyway, but yeah, I'm down. the only person now that I don't have is Churchill from season six. I've unocked old Canton and I unlocked all those all those ones you're struggling all those with ones I've been struggling with forever with. and ever and ever. And I finally unlocked them. Oh, I'm so happy. Anyway, so that was TopCon. <laughs> Sounds like there was quite the turnout too. Yes, they did. In they had fact, a good turnout. Uh, I think we saw uh, we heard at about five o'clock there had been six hundred people through. Which is great for the small venue that we had, um, and they're already talking about three day event next year um, at one of the local I'm really looking forward hotels. To next year, so. I'm hoping it's going to be around the same time, so I can plan accordingly. That sounds like the plan. Um, also, it doesn't conflict with like plan Comic Con. Oh yeah, it's a it's a great downtime for the region, it really is. as far as cons, especially since um, <laughs> uh, Con X isn't <laughs> yeah <laughs> getting on back on, and it's just like a month after uh, Crypticon. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and I uh, see Smallville's in June. Yeah. British Fest will be in June again. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, at least it's not in the early part of the year because there's like a con a week going. <laughs> we went to one a month, I think, last beginning part of this year. But no, I, I, we had a good time, and I, I think the, the people that went obviously had a good time. And that was the, the really cool thing about it is just the fact that, you know, it was an affordable cost. It was a smaller con, but, that, you know, there really was a lot of variety, a lot of different stuff to do and see. And um, and I think it proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's demand for it and, and here in Topeka that, you know, they can pull it off. And to have 600 people filtered through by the 5 o'clock hour, that's, that's really, for, for again, for yeah. a first-year con, that's that's impressive, so... And for what it seemed like, kind of came together quickly in comic. Like he came up with the idea like a month ago, right? Uh, it's been a few was months, a couple of yeah. months. Yeah, it's been but two it's months. Still but fairly it's quick. Oh yeah, as, to be, as to far to be as able to put everything well, together. He, yeah. he told me that for the last three weeks he's been living, eating, and blanking popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> so well, now uh, he can kind of stretch it out a little bit more yeah, and not have yeah. to be so well, immersed and, and hopefully get more help. He said, he told me he's going down to talk to Jim Parrish on Monday about the Ramada next year. Nice. So, you know, get that ironed out and 
taken care of. So, so congrats to Gypsy and uh, and all the the people and volunteers who put on a good show. And Debbie, and his wife, who Debbie's was wife, a huge, huge part of that. And, and our thanks to everybody who came by the table and, and, and chatted with us or picked up a flyer. And if you're listening to us again, welcome to the show. Yes. I'm really sorry I had to miss it. Yeah, we missed you. You know who should have been at TopCon this year? Keith, Keith. should have been at TopCon <laughs> Maybe uh, next year I'll dress up. We didn't see a lot of Doctor Who. Well, I didn't see any Doctor Who cosplay, come to think about it. There were a lot of Doctor Who t-shirts. But I don't remember. I didn't see any cosplays. I don't remember any Doctor Who cosplay. Maybe next year we can bring out my uh, cardboard TARDIS. Uh, I got so did he tell you? I got so excited that yeah, we should have borrowed your cardboard TARDIS. I didn't it's think just about behind that. the couch. Uh. <laughs> um, I got so excited because this guy had Hawthorne. Sure, that guy. Yep, that's him. Hawthorne. Hawthorne. I don't remember. I'm sorry, back, back to my list. Back to Doctor Who legacy. I had to go find it. He's not in Captain America, but he's in baseball. <laughs> um, this guy had this. Great, uh, you know, burlap sack over his head and a rope. Oh yeah, I saw that just, picture, and I was like, "Oh, that is awesome!" Because he's one of those creepy scarecrow things from that <laughs> Doctor Who episode. And then his friends walked up to him, and one was dressed like the Penguin, and one was dressed like the Riddler. And I went, "Oh, that's Scarecrow." Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. Should we move on to feedback now? Feedback. First up is Mark. Mark writes, feedback submitted, <laughs> comment, question. I have one question from Listen. If Gallifrey is frozen in time in a pocket universe, how were they able to get there? And in fact, how was the war able to? War doctor able to? Did I miss something? Well, That's Mark, as far as the war doctor goes, they make an comment in the 50th to the effect of this should be all time locked we shouldn't be here and uh, I think it's Tenet that says something must have let us through and they kind of then do that camera pan over to Billy yeah. Piper as, yes. as uh, and so I think the we're, moment. I think we're supposed to assume that the moment will allow them through this time. That that time. That particular that time. time. Yes. As far as listen I got nothing. Well, <laughs> that's I don't the think one there's, hole in that story. Well, that's just it. I don't think there is, and I got nothing because I mean Keith brought this up last there's week. The, is the, the one line the doctor turns the fail safe? He says he's turned the fail safes off the on the TARDIS so that um, Clara can interface with the TARDIS and take her to the time that she had the dream, so they can investigate what that was under the bed. Yes, and he then solidifies it later. By Clara saying, how did we even get here to the end of the universe? And he says, well, some idiot turned the fail off on the TARDIS. He makes, well, I'm paraphrasing, but there's something to that effect. So I think we're meant to assume that the fail turned off on the TARDIS also somehow allowed it. Now, I'll go one step further to say that based on these two situations, the time lock was a Russell T. Davis era thing that Steve... Stephen Moffat has not really... He's kind of skirted around that, especially by doing the Day of the Doctor and this particular episode. Well, the episode. Day of the Doctor almost kind of gives the impression afterwards that there never really was a time lock. Well, it was all kind of in his mind. There's been a lot of people that have alluded to that as well, that the fact that perhaps he just thought it was uh, time-locked. The other or thing it was time-locked up until the loop well, ended when he I don't know. It. I don't know because that's... Another thing that I've always subscribed to the theory that this is always what happened. 
There was no change whatsoever. He always thought he, he destroyed, destroyed it. But oh, the so planet was really that also explains why he would never go back looking another for another universe too, because exactly. so he would assume it so would that's be time my off. that's my impression so then yeah that, that, and if that he would, thinks he destroys now, them both he thinks the moment the would other time thing you it. have to say has been played fast and loose with was the idea that Rassilon and his crew was able to get out of the time lock now it was a little better explained by using the white dwarf star and Russell T Davies knew that he was dealing with something that would have to be. Explained because he had set up this time lock idea and his mythos, but um, even then, something has been able to get out. So, I, I I think we're playing too hard and fast with this. There's a time lock and everything's locked. You've never liked that theory, anymore. Russell. Well, here's the thing: Russell T. Davies set that up so that there was no question as to why nobody went back. To, to change events, and there was no question as to why Gallifrey didn't just escape the time lock and change their own future. That that was a that was a convenient explanation for that, and I think that held for several years. But it started to fall apart, and I get the impression that Stephen Moffat has never really kind of adhered to that rule that was set. Now, should he? I don't know. As as, as far as continuity goes, yeah, he probably should, or at least give us an explanation. But I think those two little things that are dropped in there, the quick. Uh, shift to the moment when the the reference is made of how we shouldn't even be here, how did we get through, and the dropping the uh, fail-safes on the TARDIS. I think that there must be some sort of element that allows the TARDIS to get well, through, and those are two quasi-explanations. Yeah, are and, and, and satisfying knowing, ones? And yeah. knowing Not Moffitt's, necessarily. And knowing Moffat's writing style, this could be a Time of Angels jacket situation. We don't know what his end game is. Yeah. <laughs> Some, something that might happen later might explain how that happened. Yeah. I suppose that's true. There could be a... Because not so much... I, I struggle with this idea also because not so much the time lock, more of, okay, we saw in the time of the Doctor that they're in this pocket universe, cup of soup, and can only get through a crack. So how did they get there? I mean, it, it's not the time lock, it's the cup of soup pocket universe that have more of an uh, issue of how did they get there. Even with, uh, and that's having well, the. They got, there, they got there through the crack. Well, no, how, and the crack how, was closing. So. At the beginning of the 11th so, hour. We don't know how big, wide this crack in the true. universe was true. that so, they created to put through. It, it we easily, just know that it was closing by the time 11th hour rolls around. Right. So I get the impression so, based so on. By, so by, the so by take, but we rebooted the universe. So the cracks wouldn't be there anymore, but they clearly were because. Uh, but we never see them again until time, right? And that was the idea of closing all of them at at the end. Obviously, the one on Trinzalor was still there. Yeah. But. So maybe they flew through the crack with the guidance off, and that's how they were able to get to Gallifrey. Oh, I see. During, what you're during time the, of the, doc- the, the, the yeah. time of the Doctor, they flew in when they when they let out to give him regenerations. They flew in and out. That makes sense? Why did they fly in and out? To get to Gallifrey. I guess they could have gone to a crack. But earlier. I get the impression that Gallifrey it would have been before they put the you're, you're, Gallifrey in the pocket. We're universe. talking about when we went. First of all, I, I, I want to I want to <laughs> specify just for for myself. The barn, in my mind, is not on Gallifrey. That's another explanation. That's that is another I, I think it's probably <laughs> a moon of Gallifrey. 
or somewhere close by, because if the doctor's going to set this weapon off and destroy all of the Daleks and all of the time, he's not going to be on that. Planet. He's not going to be yeah. on the planet well, I don't when know. it happens. I almost got the impression he's willing to sacrifice himself because he goes well, in there. No, and no, 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 no. But let's just say that the events of the day of the doctor didn't happen, and let's just say that the or let's for the better sake, let's go to Sean's point where it it, it changed the the past. It still would have happened. It fits my theory that it didn't happen, so that's why he survived. But if if there's the other half of fandom that says if it, if it that they went back and they created a alternate reality, that prior he would have been dead because he would have set the moment off. That's he right. would have actually set the moment off. So it, the, the problem I have with that is the line that she gives of the punishment will be to live past this if you do push the button. Before, right, which, before he decides, which, so. which I'm here now. But now you're defending your point, or you're defending your point that it's it is off Gallifrey, that he remains the only the okay. final yeah. time okay. time lord yeah. because he is away from the event that's going to happen. Okay, I guess I always imagine that the moment would just like bubble him and move him after. He uh, I, I, I think it, I think it's a simpler explanation. Just well, and it. For me, <laughs> that is an explanation. I'll give you that. It's chance. an explanation. I think. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's I, but it's too much there. to it because they kind of solve that issue when, later. When, when he's walking across the desert and that huge planet is kind of hanging in the sky yeah, overhead, kind of I just kind of assume because it visually was the weight of the decision <laughs> well, and, here's and the other thing. Gallifrey and it's there and it's weighing on him and all that kind of stuff, and they kind of make these like they're constantly looking up as if it's there. I don't know. That, just, that, that is another that, theory that, 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 that the barn is actually that, that the doctor didn't actually originally live on Gallifrey. That he lived on this well, moon the, or other planet. Maybe that's where he grew up, and then to get to and then yeah, academy, head to the academy. And then right. and I'm fine with that. Now that it still doesn't necessarily solve the time lock issue because David Tennant says these events should be time locked. So by going back, they shouldn't. You know, they still shouldn't be able. Well, to get but in the, there. the moment is time locked. But right. see, I guess yeah. anything in the Doctor's now, past would be Tom Locked as well. You're talking about flying through the crack to get to Gallifrey. You're talking about them doing it in Listen, but going through the crack from Time of the Doctor. Yeah. Okay. But I, but if we've... Uh, but that, can, can't, that can't happen because this I'm is the Doctor's myself. past. Since it's the past, I don't yeah. think that necessarily I just don't applies. think that does I don't apply. think you need to mess with the I crack I see where you're going. Point. I'm just saying but, to get to Gallifrey spatially... Spatially, they yes, don't have an but issue. They're, 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 the time-wise, time I mean, you're you're saying that's how you get through the time lock is by going through there, and then you can go into the Doctor's Pass. I, again, I think that's too complicated of an explanation. Okay. I'm Unfortunately, I'm there's, 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 therein lies the problem. <laughs> Wibbly, wobbly, tiny. Well, therein <laughs> lies the problem is that Moffat hasn't adequately addressed it, so I think at this point we have to make some presumptions. Um, Keith, I think, is... is Confident, or at least slightly confident, I'm, I'm the fact that he might it. answer the question. I, I think he will. Uh, now, um, will he do it to the justice that we want, like the crack? Uh, I never, not. I never give Moffat a lot of credit for doing that until he actually does it, and he has done that. But, he, but <laughs> how many times he has? has he? <laughs> but that's just it. He also has left a few plot threads. Although well, he did it again the this woman, week. <laughs> the woman in the thro- in the the shop that gave him the number. I thought we were going to leave that alone until it was brought yeah, back up see. today or this week. So. Well, they brought him up the, several times this season. I thought we were going to leave it alone after last season, but now that since Deep Breath, I didn't think we were going to leave no, it alone. No, they did mention it in Deep Breath. It was mentioned in Deep Breath, but I can't remember the reference. I don't either. It, it, well, it was about the ad. Whoever placed the ad gave oh, her the number. Gave yeah. her the number. They had that conversation in the booth. 
once they figure out. That I thought he said maybe it's the person that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, they, I don't think they. I don't think they pinned it down. Yeah, I don't think they pinned it personally, down. Personally, I, I, think think I thought I got that from fandom saying, "Hey, I wonder if the person see, who plays." See, I, I got the. Imp- but it maybe it was. I think it was. There. I think it was in there. That they, they presumed that it was the same person. I, I think they, they were presumed very keen it. on keeping them together. Yeah, I think they presumed it, but I kind of take that the other way. Now that we've resolved one, I think that whoever placed the ad is somebody else that we haven't we met have yet. We haven't resolved anything. Yeah, the woman in the, the woman in the shop who got his number was resolved this week. No, no. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. You don't think so? No. Nope, not at all. Okay, we'll get there. <laughs> I think Missy's the one that. I think she's the, the one yeah, that did the ad. Gave, no, I think she's the one that put gave the phone number to Clara too. I, 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 I think that, that I think she fun. has. Uh, she she needs the doctor and Clara together for whatever points uh, leading to the finale. The the gal you're talking about in the in time heist, the bank. The only reason she was given the number was so that she could call the doctor to create not the, not to give it to Clara so that Clara could call the doctor for support. In it wasn't set that far back up. It, it this was, it was only, only to create the loop to create of the time the heist. But it could also create the loop of time heist if she's the one that gave Clara the number in the shop so that Clara could meet up with the doctor to then be there for the time heist. It doesn't have to go that far back. It doesn't though, have because to, you could. Well, it, it doesn't could. have to because I, I, I the doctor's the one. The doctor's the one. Listen, though, the doctor's orchestrating this, so he gave her the number so that she could call back to that night that he picks Clara up. That's the only it, reason uh, that, okay. that, that happens. He true. almost gives it to her if, as a, if you decide you regret something. Yeah. Not necessarily certain 100% that she is the one that called it. Right. Until it does the well, thing. 100% the, yeah. it was, but yeah. Mark, I hope we answered your question. <laughs> We're going to get to time heist eventually, so yes. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. Up next is Mark L. I think all we did was confirm that, yeah, it hasn't really been answered. <laughs> <laughs> we what? threw out some assumptions, but that's it. An hour later, what did we decide? We don't know. Hopefully we will. <laughs> but again, if you're watching Doctor Who going, well, where's the such and such conduit that leads to the engine room? I have news for you, my friend. It's the wrong show for you. <laughs> you should just give up on such silliness. Mark L. writes, Sentences! Now, just to be clear, what Alex said last week about the psychic link was much smarter than we all initially thought. Turns out, last Saturday after Who... Alec pitched the idea to me over a couple of drinks, the ideas of synchronizing our feedback that week. He'd finish with, we even finish each other's, and I'd send feedback in with the subject matter being sentences. To be honest, had I remembered, it would have been sandwiches. That's what I was going to say. Nice frozen reference there. (laughs) Of course, the way Alex phrased his email preemptively covered me for forgetting, so it's all good. (laughs) Just thought I'd throw that out there. Guess we can call this email... A one-off special of Malik's Feedback Confidential. Also, whilst I'm here, dear other Mark who listens to this podcast, shall we short out some sort of naming system or something? (laughs) Because every time I hear Mark has sent in feedback, I panic, thinking, oh dear, have I been sleep typing again? (laughs) That's all for this week, fellas. Sorry it's not extremely Who-related, but I haven't seen this week's episode yet since I'm not a time traveler at the moment. I'm taking my summer off from traveling. Have a great day, everybody. Mark. Thank you, Mark. Mark L. Mark, I think you need to go back to Mark McMarmite. I think that would clear things up. I could clear things up a little bit. Um, And and Mark L., um, don't give us the peek behind the curtain. I don't want to know that you planned this out in advance. I just want to believe that you guys are psychically linked. And 
that makes me happy somehow. <laughs> but thanks for writing. Yes. <laughs> Up next is Chrissy. I'm getting there. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was in something else. Hang on. Almost there. Almost there. Almost there. Almost there. And the iPad's acting up. Okay. Almost there. Almost there. Almost there. And slow iPad. It's coming. This break in the action is brought to you by Alpo. <laughs> Apple. iPad. <laughs> is your iPad slow? <laughs> Did you download iOS 8? Is that the problem? Do you Could need a be. new? One? Do you need uh, a new one? Could be. I haven't done it on my phone because my phone's old enough that I'm afraid that it will just tank. Come to the Apple Store and buy yourself a new iPhone six. I don't know why or it's not iPhone related. Six Plus. Chrissy writes, "Team not dead. Team not dead." Dear Vortex Boys, I hate to be that person, but I have to correct Keith on one tiny offhand remark he made last week that's going to drive me crazy if I don't do it. Robin Head, Robin Head, Robin Hood has indeed been included in Once Upon a Time. And not just a one-off character, he's actually become a pretty vital part of the story in the most recent story arc, and there's going to be a huge plotline involving him and his family in the upcoming season. No spoilers, though I think we... Uh, five-ish fangirls are going to be discussing it in our next podcast, which may or may not be up by the time your podcast goes out. Anyway, yes, Robin Hood is in Once Upon a Time, and just as a matter of interest for you three, maybe, uh, they did a Wizard of Oz arc last season, too. Even had an episode called Kansas, which was actually quite good. The whole story arc, I'm sorry, the whole arc was really great. Highly recommend it. Thank you for correcting me, Chrissy. This is what happens when I give up after a season. <laughs> well, and, and in your defense, you did say I don't think. Uh, yeah, I, 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 but I don't. Random. He's <laughs> pretty much said that. So random uh, conjecture, and I was completely wrong. Right, right. So, um, but thanks for clearing that up, Chrissy. What is, what is, is Robin Hood a fox? She goes on to say, and I am only going to mention this because it came up last week and it bothers me that you guys feel like you have to censor yourselves on your own podcast. But since it's a question that belongs to the epic gender wars that fandom in general seems to be obsessed with lately, I'm going to use my all po- almighty power of speaking as a woman and comment on this. I have absolutely zero problem with how Stephen Moffat writes female characters. What I do have a problem with is how female characters are limited in character analysis by fans and critics to simply be representatives of women in fiction rather than being treated as individual people with their own unique backstories and choices that likely have no bearing on what arbitrary group they identify with otherwise. I really hate that when any person, real or fictional, is treated as mere checkbox, a mere checkbox on a made-up census form that needs to be f- filled in so that something can be considered diverse, and somehow achieving that diversity is supposed to make the, the story good. And even when that checklist is filled in, there will be those people who still have a problem with how the character was portrayed. One thing I've noticed about this census box storytelling is that people advocating for it are never satisfied and the writers who are subjected to those complaints are stifled creatively creatively because they're afraid of making the wrong people mad. Then the rest of fandom ends up losing out on the wonderful stories that made us fall in love with the show in the first place. My take? Let the writers tell the stories that they are skilled in telling and stop dictating what you want to see. 
Because when you tell an artist what you think their vision should be, it stops being the artist's vision and it becomes something twisted and lacking and nobody's happy and all the fun is gone. Maybe that's the end game of of all this complaining. Ruin the fun for everyone else? Heck, I don't know. It just irritates me when characters are used solely to represent one little box that society has declared we must all divide ourselves into and that's all you get. People are so much more complex than this social group or that social group. If we're going to wall ourselves off based on gender or religion or sexual pre- preference or politics or what or what team you cheer for or what kind of ice cream you like, then eventually we're going to wall ourselves off so much that we're just going to be all alone in our individuality or excuse me, all alone in our individually wrapped boxes with no one to have anything in common, which doesn't sound fun at all. That went off the wall there. Sorry for the tangent. <laughs> well said, Chrissy. Well said. She goes on to say, Long story short, Moffat writes interesting female characters, but he doesn't write them solely as female characters. He writes unique individuals with all kinds of depth and layers to their personality, personalities, which make them so much fun to watch. He does that for both male and female characters. None of them are pure stereotypes, nor does he rely on cheap shortcuts to create these characters. Moffat's characters could be actual people, which is what makes them believable, even if they are time travelers. I don't have a problem with any of it. So there, since it seems that only females are allowed to comment on this subject, (laughs) I as a female have spoken on the matter. Feel free to agree or disagree as you see fit. I won't get mad. Unless, of course, you're a jerk about it, then I reserve the right to disregard your opinion totally. And then she goes on to say, note, the opinions contained herein are totally my own and have nothing to do with traveling the vortex. I just write it and they read it out what I write. If anyone out there has a problem with what I've said, you can come after me and leave the vortex boys out of it. I have a Twitter account. You can find me at at Wildcat Media. Okay. Underscore. Underscore. Media. Well, at Wildcat underscore Media. Okay. I'm trying to read that in my uh, attorney voice. <laughs> okay. Chrissy, you're so that- wrong. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm just glad she was able to put the perspective on it that I think that needed to be put on it. Well, and I and certainly appreciate everything that she says and agree with it a whole lot. Yeah, I, I agree completely too. Ditto. <laughs> and we'll probably continue to censor ourselves on things. <laughs> All right. Unless it's a Transformers movie discussion that crops <laughs> up. I can't make any promises on that one. Anything Michael Bay related, we might not be able to control ourselves. She goes on to say, well, I'm done griping for the week. Here's my thought on Time Heist. Seems like there's been a lot of chatter this past week about how Doctor Who was finally doing a heist story. Personally, I never knew that there was oh, that, that was a thing to be excited about. Then again, I was one of those people who only needed to see Ocean's Eleven once because I already knew how it ended. So I didn't need to watch it again. And while I enjoyed the previous four episodes of Series 8 immensely, this one didn't quite do it for me. There was nothing particularly bad about it. It just didn't hit all of the buttons. It falls into the category of middling episodes. I didn't hate it, but it's not one that I'm going to be in a hurry to rewatch. I suppose there had to be at least one of those eventually. But next week's looks like it's going to be great. The doctor working in a school and finds out about Clara and Danny? Oh yes, bring me all of that. Anyway, that's it for me, and I hope I... Didn't bring too much trouble to you three with my comments from this feedback, but it needed to be said. Until next week, Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. And 
yeah, well, we'll get to the time heist thing. I, I this is the first bit of feedback now that we've read on time heist a review for mm-hmm. time heist, and I don't know what I was about to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> How could you not like this episode? No, she said she liked it. It was fine. <laughs> I, I'm more confused by the I've only seen Ocean's Eleven once. That, to me, is a... Which, are we talking the original only, Ocean's Eleven? Either. I've seen, only seen all of them once. I've I, think, seen, I, think I've I, caught, I think I might have caught I've caught pieces of them. I've caught pieces of them on TV and watched a little bit of them, but I, I don't... I'm with her. I, I think this is slightly different, and I think somebody actually is going to very well illustrate in one of our next feedbacks how this is very different but um i'm with her once i saw ocean's 11 and the, and the gimmick was over to me i just i didn't feel like i needed to watch it again it, it, i enjoyed it the performances like i enjoyed the characters, the characters and- but I, did, I i really never have felt this urge to have to go back and watch oh it's a beautiful of piece again. of filmmaking there are some mysteries that i do have the urge ocean's 11 isn't one of them yeah Prestige. That would be Prestige. Yeah, I can watch Usual that over suspects. and over and over again. Usual I, Suspects, yeah. yeah. Usual Suspects is another one of those ones that, in my mind, it was one of the best movies I had ever seen and still to this day agree that it's the best movie I've ever still seen. Still always in my top I've five. never gone back and watched it because I don't I don't want to. I, uh, so, I, that was it. That was the perfect moment in movie making or movie watching history for me. I don't want to go see that Even Even watching it again? I never pick up anything more. It's so well crafted. But all along, I would sit there knowing exactly what it is, and I don't want that anymore. Mm. Memento is another one of those ones that I won't go back and watch again. I haven't gone back to that one. I used to own it, but I didn't watch it that much. I don't know that I've rewatched Memento since I saw it the first time. Inception's I own another it. one. That I, I haven't. Re- I, I own it. I'm so ready to it. watch Inception, but I'm I'm worried that I'm, I'm kind of with you on that one. It, it was such a Mind blow. I get, I get to a point. It wasn't that I, a mind blow for me. That another reason I want to see Inception again is because everybody talked about layers and blah 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 <laughs> and how confusing it was for some people, not everybody. And how and and I watched it and I went, it seemed pretty clear to me. <laughs> I'm done. I didn't enjoy it as much as everybody did either. But Inception's another one of those ones that I just I don't have to go back and watch it again. Oh, and some of them I can if I, if I wait long enough. I don't remember everything. I remember key moments, but there's a lot of little stuff that I. If I, go I did go back and watch uh, The Sixth Sense one more time because I wanted to go, wait a minute, how did I not <laughs> see that he was, spoilers, <laughs> a ghost the whole time? I don't think that I don't think that was one I went back and back. And I did. I went back and I went, oh, 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 oh. Okay, I don't have to watch it again because now I, why didn't I see that? <laughs> For me, that was uh, Unbreakable. Oh, I, was, I, I rewatch that a lot. I, I do. I do too. And every time I rewatch it, I get so angry that I didn't see that coming because it's so obvious. You know, the dude wears purple suits. How could I not see this coming? Yeah, I. Phenomenal little pieces of filmmaking there. Anyway, all right. Who's up next? Up next is Holly. Holly writes, 195, Time Heist. Hey guys, I enjoyed this episode. Really liking the relationship that is happening between Clara and Danny. I think the Doctor is just a teeny bit jealous that Clara wants to go on her date with Danny and not on the trip that the Doctor has in mind. Sai and the Shapeshifter were great. Hopefully they'll return in the future. They, the reveal at the end of who the architect was didn't surprise me too much. Though we never did find out what the Clara and the Doctor had in the vaults. 
I'll wrap it up here. Looking forward to hearing everyone's thoughts in, on this episode. Holly from Wisconsin. Thank you, Holly. See, I thought they kind of did clear that up. I don't know that there was actually a... There wasn't an item a for thing them. in the vault. It was just... It was It was, it the, was the mission. Yeah. yeah. The, the saving of the two creatures. That's how I took that it. That was, yeah. Because what else would the doctor want but to prevent genocide? I don't know. And Claire, unfortunately, just kind of becomes the along for the ride at that point. Oh, that, yeah. You know, she doesn't really have a reason to be there. He just drags her into it. Yeah. So. Agreed. Oh, next is Alex. Alex writes, Wibbly Wobbly Heisty Weisty. Hey guys, Alex here. Not sure if I'll be able to finish this feedback in time for Saturday night or Sunday night, so apologies in advance if it comes up a little late. I've had a very Who-centric week. I just finished reading an excellent parody book called Doctor Whom, and I'm now a couple of chapters into a first Doctor novel called Ten Little Aliens that I'm really enjoying so far. What better way to round out the week when the, the thrilling adventures of Team Not Dead? So, time heist. For me, this was the closest Series 8 has come so far to a standard episode of Doctor Who. It was decent, and I enjoyed watching it, but I wouldn't say it was a particularly great story. I think the problem with this episode is that it had a lot of interesting ideas, but lacked the focus to really develop any of them to the point where they became interesting story elements. Take the heist itself, for example. Heist movies are all about cunning deceptions, ridiculously complex plans, last-minute hitches, improvisations, betrayals, and just a smidgen of character development. Yes, I basically just described Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> but then that's a perfect example of a heist story done right. Side note, they gave Capaldi's Doctor a heist story, and they didn't call it Twelve's Eleven? Seriously? Missed opportunity. I hadn't thought of that until just now, Alex. You 100% agree with you. Alex, they would have needed a much bigger budget for casting. <laughs> Well, he has a gang now. Well, <laughs> a gang of four. A gang of four. <laughs> Twelve's four. There you go. Twelve's three, I guess. <laughs> Twelve's eleven. The heist in this story, however, consisted primarily of clamoring through ventilation shafts, pushing some buttons, clamoring through more ventilation shafts, and shouting. The reveal that the atomic shredders were actually teleporters aside... There wasn't much in the way of a dramatic last-minute twist or an unexpected turn of events. As for the time travel aspect, I went into the episode expecting a festival of death level of timey-wimey happenings, and instead got a predictable Moffat loop burrito loop bootstrap paradox, as Wikipedia calls it. I don't have a problem with time travel loops showing up every now and again, but it feels as though we've seen a number of them in recent series, and they're starting to grate on me a little. They provide a sense of resolution, but don't actually resolve the established mystery. Why were they robbing the bank? Because Carabraxos asked them to. Why did she ask them to? Because they robbed the bank. It's becoming a little too convenient for writers to throw in a paradox to add a sense of mystery, or circulatory, to an episode without them thinking about whether it benefits the story. I suppose my problem here is similar to the problems you guys were having with A Town Called Mercy. It may have the trappings of a heist story, but it felt more like a generic who plot in a heist story setting, and that disappointed me. Speaking of Carabraxis, Keely Hawks did an excellent job portraying both a crazy rich lady and a clone of a crazy rich lady. There wasn't much depth to either character, but she instilled her performances with an unnerving sort of charm that made the characters interesting despite their being little more than the traditional villain stereo archetypes. The same could be said of the actors who played Sai and Sabria. It is Sabria, right? Sa I think so. Sabria. Sabria? Sa sure. Sa sure. 
uh, who are both extremely likable in their respective roles. In fairness to Steve Thompson, this story did a much better job of characterizing its guest cast than the previous episode, Journey to the Center of the Dislikable Trio of Brothers. (laughs) Here, here. Uh, Size interactions with the Doctor and Claire in particular made me wonder if it isn't time we had a professional criminal on board the TARDIS. Wouldn't that be an interesting relationship to explore? Still, their characterization was pretty much limited to a quick dialogue exchange each, just enough so that the audience would care when they got shredded. This was, I felt, another aspect of the story which could have been improved with a little more focus and a little less everything in the kitchen sinking. And then there's the teller. An incredibly impressive creation from a practical effects standpoint. And certainly nobody could accuse it of being an anthropomorphized anything. (laughs) It kind of looked like an anteater to me. Have you seen an anteater? No, I'm kidding. I was just trying to get Glenn to do a spit take, and he didn't. I, my draw did my my draw my jaw did drop. <laughs> well, okay, I'll take it. Um, it's uh, anthropomorphized anything, but its role in the story came at the expense of everything else. The teller is the main threat in the episode, and we later discover it's the motivation for the heist itself. Had the villain of the episode merely been the faceless army of banking of the bank's security force, the script would have been able to focus on the characters and on the story's namesake, the heist. Instead, we spent an awful lot of time dealing with the teller, with what the teller is, what it can do, how to combat it, and why it isn't actually the bad guy after all. It's a fine story, sure, but mixed in with the other elements at work in Time Heist, it never really has the chance to become anything more than the standard poor old alien working for the bad guy against its will trope that we see too often in sci-fi. To revive my earlier comparison, Ocean's Eleven would have been a much worse movie had they cut out 20 minutes of the actual heist in exchange for an in-depth flashback exploring Andy Garcia's childhood. (laughs) Ding. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So a lot of that was pretty negative. So I'll reiterate that I didn't like the story as such. I didn't dislike the story as such. It was just sort of there. There are always some positives, of course. Capaldi and Coleman were great as always, and I really liked the balance the story struck with the Doctor between being detached and involved. While he may act like he doesn't care when people get hurt or killed, the revelation that he orchestrated the whole robbery just to rescue two aliens was a nice reminder that the Doctor is still as, still as much of a hero as he ever was, albeit a somewhat grumpier one. Oh, and they added the sting back in, the electronic woo that plays just before the title sequence starts. I'd miss the sting. Now, we just need to convince the BBC to put it back at the end of the episode as well, rather than the end of the next time trailer, (laughs) and we'll be sorted. Okay, I'm done for now. I have a feeling that there are some other non-heist-related things I wanted to talk about, but they've gone right out of my head. I must have picked up a phone. Things happen when you do that. Happy traveling. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Alex. I think we'll tackle some of this stuff when we do our reviews as well. Up next is Eric. Glenn is searching his iPad. Well, I'm confused why we did Eric or is this far in, but we'll go ahead and do it now. This was an oversight on my schedule. Oh, okay. okay. That's why. I, <laughs> <laughs> I just went and ordered that thing in, Glenn. Yeah, I know. I'm tired. Eric, Eric writes, uh, Hey, guys. I finally got to watch Robot of Sherwood yesterday and listened to most of the last podcast this afternoon. Now, I just stuck off, snuck off to listen. Excuse me. I just snuck off to watch. Listen. Wait. That's a little odd. Watch, listen. Anyway. I snuck off to watch the most recent episode and typed this up and type this up a listen to the rest of the podcast. Okay. And listen. And listen. Okay. So yes, once again it's feedbackception. I don't understand what Glenn's problem with the deleted scene is. It doesn't make the sheriff into a robot. 
and Robin by extension. It makes the sheriff into a real man that was injured and turned into a cyborg by the robots, so it actually implies that Robin was real. A couple of quibbles, though. I might have missed something because I was cooking dinner at the time, but was the archery target at the contest a machine, like a big electromagnet that was attracting the arrows? If it wasn't, how did the sonic screwdriver blow it up? And the arrow in the hole was dumb. But other than that, I liked it. Oh, and thank you, Glenn, for not opening with the Brian Adams song from Prince of Thieves. Thankfully, thankfully, I've forgotten that song, but I remember that song playing incessantly that summer back in 92 or 93. Yeah, I think no. actually it was summer of 69. Now, I actually purposefully left that out because, yeah, for that exact same reason, that it was way overplayed <laughs> in 92, and for the same reason that I'm not a big fan of the movie Prince of Thieves. So. I think it was 91, just to be technical. Sure. Uh, as for the, I'm sure it's still uh, playing in 92 and 93, though. As for the sonic <laughs> screwdriver blowing up the uh, target... I think Sean even yeah, mentioned, mentioned that, that he overloaded the, his arrow, which was... Well, it was a like homing device. He had, he, uh, there was he, a homing device. Right. Put the homing device on it. And, right. And we can assume that he exploded the arrow. The, the arrow was a homing device. device. It was a... Yeah, so he... And Sean... And that, that was my thought, was, well, he just he blew that up. But Sean even, I think, stated it even better by saying he overloaded the arrow. Which then in turn caused it to explode, oh, okay. yeah. exploding the target in the meantime. I don't care how it works. As long as there was something mechanical yeah. in the yeah. arrow that the sonic screwdriver could cause something to happen to yeah. burst into yeah. flames. Okay, fine. If he's just pointing it at a sack of straw and, and blows up, up, I have yeah. a problem. I did, <laughs> I, yeah. And I had a problem with it when I saw it happen initially. But then he but when he explains yeah, that it was a homing device in the arrow, then there's, there's the electronics there that... Yeah. Uh, Okay, works. Yeah, so it, t- it completely fixed it for me. So yeah, but I, I just I like when you said overloaded it because then I thought that even makes that brings it even more effective that it wasn't that he predicted he would have to blow it up so he put a dis- destruct mechanism. Oh in yeah, there. no 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 no, I don't take overloading that at all. Yeah, the arrow just... with the sonic device made it caused it to explode and he knew it would. So I love that. Oh, that was great. So hopefully that fixes that for you as well. He goes on to say, oh, I wanted to ask you, Sean, about the post series eight schedule. Do you think you'll be reviewing all of the big finished monthly range titles in the 40s? There are a few that you haven't, and I just noticed that the first 50 are seriously discounted. I'm expecting some birthday money in November, and I'm hoping to get some big finished downloads with that. I won't be asking this. I'm sorry. I wouldn't be asking this, but I noticed that there are a few you just skipped over. Red Dawn, Holy Terror, and something about a scourge that Bernie Summerfield is in. So I'm trying to plan which ones to buy so I can catch up with the larger plot arcs, uh, follow along with the podcast, and take advantage of the bargains. You, there, you, there's you a reason why, why we skipped skip them. Um, the, the, we, we, well, spoilers, uh, potentially. Red Dawn has Ice Warriors in it, and um, we thought we would do an Ice Warrior archive. and uh, Another one. Another one. Yes. And, and pair that up with... Um, Actually, watching the Ice Warriors for Friday Night Who because we haven't animation. done that with the animation. We did review it back. We when reviewed we had it, but we yeah. the VHS copies. Yeah, we reviewed it when we did the VHS copy. But we haven't actually watched the animation one yet. But it's a longer six-part story. It is with animation, part. yeah, uh, which requires a two-night Friday Night Who. And honestly, there just hasn't really been a convenient slot in the schedule to put a two-parter and then have that on there. So yes, we will be getting to, to Red Dawn. Will it happen? 
immediately after postseason eight? That's a really good question that I'll be honest, I don't know yet, um, because my postseason eight schedule at this very moment is blank. Yeah. <laughs> because I have well, worked on it. And, and, and that's and so far out. Well, Sean, it's getting closer. But. Sean really puts the schedule together for us, but I think what happens is we all sort of sit down and kind of brainstorm what we want to do next, and Sean kind of funnels it into a, a schedule for us. He makes it So work. we haven't discussed when we're going to do those as, yet, as of yet. And so when we do, obviously, someone will have something to fill the schedule out. Yeah, other than conceptually, I kind of have, I know that there's a whole yeah. X number of weeks before the Christmas special and then X number of weeks before Galley. That's kind of the, the structure of the schedule at this point. So I know that I've got to fill so many weeks with this stuff and so many weeks with that stuff. And, and where do we go from there? I'm also looking at my own personal schedule, knowing that as we come out of November and into December, that it'll be finals and, and a lot of my like school stuff. Holidays. And, and then the holidays. Yeah. And it may be a little more difficult to get too much big finish in, just from the standpoint of everybody else has you know that kind of thing going on. Um, but there certainly will be some of it. Um, as far as your budget goes, I would say, dude, they're on sale. Nab them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, because we're going to cover eventually. eventually. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, Holy Terror was there a reason why you skipped that? I can't remember. Um, it seems like there was. There was initially. Oh, it's Frobisher. We're going to oh, do a right, Frobisher. Right. That's we're the other reason. Frobisher. We're going to do a Frobisher archive. There it is. This week's the, me the, dropping week's, the mic. Yep. <laughs> this week's Glenn dropping the mic hey. is brought to you by Apple. <laughs> I figure if I say it enough, they'll just give us money. <laughs> That's really what I'm hoping for. Also, we should point out that part of the reason we've done a little bit of skipping around is we're trying to keep companion story arcs together. Yes. And while we do Six and Evelyn, we're staying away from some of the Six and Perry stuff, which also, I think, feeds into Red Dawn. It's Six and Perry, right? Five and Perry. Five and Perry, okay. But, that, yeah, that one was just, right, just right. purely Ice Warrior. Purely really. Ice Warrior, okay. But... Well, and, and, and oh. not to mention, we're, we we and well, and obviously there's a burning one, a Benny one that, that that we've skipped over, but we hadn't done any Benny yet either. And again, we're trying. Now to, we're going to try and rectify that. Well, because <laughs> I didn't know she was in the book. Here's the thing, though. We the reason we've sort of kind of done that is because the nice thing about the main range stuff is is that as we do. The main range there in the early days kind of jumped around depending on who was available for recording at the time. Yeah. So there are some that are um, the Fifth Doctor, Perry, and Airman. There's some that are obviously the Sixth Doctor and Evelyn. There's some that are the Sixth Doctor and Mel. There are some that are the Seventh Doctor and Mel, and there are some that are the Seventh Doctor and Ace. And so we've always tried to kind of stay within at least the continuity of those structured stories. So that is part of the reason that we've bounced around well, and, as well. And I've looked at it a little more specifically from the standpoint that, you know, if it's a television companion, so let's say the Sixth Doctor and Perry, we can drop that in and then go to a seventh doctor and ace and then go to a fifth doctor and, and, and Turlo. And there's, there's, I mean, cause Keith's used to that at this point. Right, there's right. no jumping around. Evelyn, because she's a, a big finish specific character, there is kind of an arc like with her story. Charlie's the same way. The eighth doctor and Charlie have a very specific arc that she, that her character develops. So we wanted to make sure that we tackled those in order versus bouncing around with some of the other ones. But I figure with the television companions, You've seen the beginning and end of their run, so it's okay to bounce around with those a little well, bit. Most of them, with most of them, um, but yeah, Holy Terror was Frobisher, and there's uh, what's the other one? The, the, uh, uh, the Maltese Penguin. 
Yeah. And we were going to pair those up together and do a, a Frobisher archive. We just haven't got there With yet. With some of the uh, printed uh, comics. Yeah, and material. some comics. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons we were waiting to do the Ice Warrior archive was the animation, and I hadn't seen Planet of Fire or Kids of Johnny yet, so I didn't know oh, Five yeah, that's and right, Perry you together. Didn't know, you didn't know Five and Perry. That's why we all. also waited right. so long to do the Perry and Araman story. That's right, that's right. So it was kind of twofold. Yeah. Which technically... Now we can do it. You could do it now, because technically it would take place before Aramim shows up. Right. Right. But we're... Because that's the other thing, is I want to try to keep... to skip ahead so that yeah. we can leave the Ice Warrior thing. On well, because yeah. if, if we wait around until we get to the Ice Warrior thing, that means we're waiting around until we get to the the, um, the Fifth Doctor and Perry pairing, which means we're waiting around... You may not get any Fifth Doctor audios for a very long time if right. we did that. So that's one of the reasons why we jumped ahead there. Right. But... Yeah. So long story short, Eric, we are getting to all of it eventually. Um, unfortunately, right now we don't know how soon on some of those ones. But um, as Sean said, they're on sale. I say grab them up. Absolutely. Um, we will get to them eventually. And I, I don't see us going more than six months before getting to some of these. So, and, and realistically, when you look at the big finish that we've covered, it has been primarily from one through... 50, 50 something with the exception of the eighth doctor who Which you know we kind of we kind of jumped have, ahead have because we're staying with his story staying arc, with that yeah. story arc um so yeah i mean we'll, we'll try and get the rest of those knocked out and 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 continue on because i think big finish as they've progressed they've also kind of evolved a little bit into the here's a thread here's a thread here's a thread yes. here's a thread and in some cases you need to have listened to this thread before you get to that thread right. so we're going to try and take them as much as we can in order and as I look back through our list, we've, there's a good chunk of, of them we have knocked off between now and then and 50. And there really are only a few holes in there. So. Yeah. Yeah, so I would say if you can bounce on or jump on them, then, then go to. Do so. All right. And then finally, Eric writes, now listen. Oh, wait. Homing device in the arrow. Got it now. <laughs> now listen. Oh, gosh. I wish I'd have read ahead of this. <laughs> This is what happens well, when we have well, this feedbackception. Is the, this is the burrito effect. <laughs> feedbackception. <laughs> What's the burrito effect again? <laughs> he says, uh, I don't get it. Seriously. I understand that Moffat was trying to say deep, profound things about the doctor or humanity or whatever, but I really don't care about that. I just didn't get the in-universe purpose for this. I didn't understand the Doctor's actions, and I don't know why I'm supposed to care about this story that seems once again to be all about scaring children. That's it. I'm out. Next time, Eric. That's two that came down on the side of not liking it now, on our feedbackers. Yeah. Last week and then this week. I, 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 I can't say anything in defense that I didn't already say last week, other than it was just a quite enjoyable episode. I, I can understand where he's coming from, from the in-episode perspective, that it seems odd to me that the Doctor, well, maybe not. <laughs> Let me say this, and then I'll back up and explain why maybe not. Um, it, it, it seems odd in a way that the Doctor would suddenly decide to devote so much time to this thing that apparently has plagued him since childhood. That just now, all of a sudden, on a random Tuesday, he got up and said, "You know what? I'm going to solve the mystery of this perfect, you know, I would, ha- I would hiding person. I would have bigger issue with it if there wasn't a throwaway kind of jokey line from Clara. How long have you been traveling by yourself? 
cooped up in his own TARDIS by himself with nothing to do. Yeah, and, and, he's going to eventually get to it. That may be, and you pair that up with the, well, maybe not, considering that he did shave off his hair and eyebrows at one point just to see what would happen. So, when you put no, those No, the two, eyebrows are just delicate. Well, <laughs> when you put those things together, you have a man who I'm not... And surprised in the least that he would just suddenly decide, this is what I'm doing today. I also think another uh, thing that... I wonder if he also recently actually slept and had the dream, and that's what spurred the thought. Well, that's possible, too. I think that's also I, I, I kind of try to fit in the fact that since since the the Twelfth Doctor's incarnation started, we've had this really deep thinking... He's, he's, have a, to put he's a my, pondering. I have to put my thoughts on a chalkboard to work things out. And this is just in the lines of, he's, it's more of putting the stuff that's in his head. He's only been in his incarnation recent. This is a, one of the uh, pieces of his personality, is the fact that he likes to work things through. And he's finally been alone long enough to start this challenge. Um, I get the impression that none of the previous doctors, even though this dream has plagued them since they were ch- children, or since they were a child, still the same guy. Since the since him since he a child, was a child. <laughs> the the other personalities have never been in that deep, thoughtful, really work things out um, situation that we have the twelfth Doctor in now. So I think that's why it's come to this personality and in this incarnation in order to figure those sort of things out. Well, because he's more of a thoughtful Doctor, he's you, more you of could a almost, planning Doctor. You could almost take it to another step of that is one of the many things he's been running from his whole life. And now he's finally running two things again. Oh, that's a good point, yeah. You could also look at it as maybe that the whole post-regeneration amnesia, he's still possibly sorting through it. And that's why he writes things down on the oh, chalkboard, yeah. because he's he's struggling to order the, 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 the chaos in his head a little bit. And well, that let I, him down the rabbit hole of, I've got to figure this I out. I agree that he's ordering the chaos in his head, but I think he were past the post-amnesia. The post- I, know, I, 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 I wonder I, I think if some you can of that is a remnants from a whole new set. Yeah. Could I, be. I think Could you can make a case for it, because it seems like we, we deal a lot with memory this whole season. That's kind of been almost an underlying theme throughout, and even, and even in Time Heist, when he seems adamant to get his memories back. I almost felt like there was a little more weight to that that argument, that it wasn't just the last 15 minutes, that maybe there was something else in the vault. that, And it, it didn't turn out to pan out that way, but it just it almost felt like there was a little something more going on there. Than maybe that, he so. wondered there would be. Yeah. So, I don't know. Just, just throwing that out there. So, Our last bit of feedback comes from Megan. She writes... Um, no. Huh? Oh, wait. Yes, it is Megan. Sorry. I thought it was another error. Never mind. <laughs> Same, Eric. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> she says, went for minimalist, came out with a, with magician. <laughs> hello, Such hello. Look at this. Two feedbacks in two weeks. I am on a roll. You must be butter. I quite... Nobody gets that one? I, I, I got On it. a roll. On a roll. Always joke in the book. I, I laughed at it the first 200 times. Time heist. I the thought it was the other side good. of the pillow. <laughs> hey, Peter. Welcome to the other side of the pillow. Billy D. Wade. <laughs> you know, I, we were watching the season premiere of, or the series, the pilot for Angel, and the, one of the guys goes, come on, go go buy me a BD. Or, or no, we said a Billy D. And they're walking later with a 40. <laughs> I never got that until 45. 45. <laughs> and Sorry. I was laughing, and Sarah was like, what are you laughing about? <laughs> 
it's a convention joke. I'll tell you later. <laughs> Sorry, Megan, we kind of hijacked there. Start again. I quite enjoyed Time Heist. I thought it was pretty good. Not incredible or earth-shattering, but it was still a really fun adventure. I really liked the transition from the doctor picking up the phone to everyone sitting in that room with the worms. was not expecting that at all. I'll admit I was a bit disappointed with the episode with the episode at first when I thought they had killed off Sabria and Sai, both of who were wonderful characters. But of course, when the teleportation twist was revealed, I was drawn right back in it. Again, something I didn't I completely didn't expect. I did see the architect's identity coming though. That wasn't all that surprising. And while I liked the bank robbery was actually a rescue mission for the teller, it was a bit too close to the ending of Hyde for my liking. The practical effects for the teller were really great. It felt like something straight out of Star Wars. Something I'm getting more and more of from Capaldi's doctor is how incredibly competitive he is. At first I thought it was a one-off character trait in Robot of Sherwood for comedy's sake, to have the doctor constantly trying to one- up Robin Hood. However, there's another mention of it in Listen when he says he's always expecting to be the last man at the end of the universe, <laughs> to which Clara says it's not a competition. And now the doctor clearly trying to one up Danny in terms of a date. I don't see that as a romantic statement or anything from the doctor, by the way. I just think the doctor just likes the idea of having to share Clara and wants to be her favorite. I agree. I agree. This episode had some great lines, great new characters, and a pretty good story. Not sure about the Doctor's new love phrase, shut up, though. Love of the phrase, shut up, though. Could maybe do without that. But I'm really excited for next week's episode, and the many classic Who references that will probably be made. Thanks, as always, for being wonderful, you guys, and can't wait to hear what you thought. Megan. P.S. I made a small sad noise when the Doctor mentioned being embarrassed of the bow ties. <laughs> Anyone else? I'm sure Keith did. I took umbrage. He didn't say it. Did he say embarrassed? <laughs> I know he said they were silly. <laughs> was it Sari? I thought it was embarrassing? slightly embarrassing. Right? Slightly embarrassing. Something, okay. something about that. I, I thought, thought he said slightly silly there. I didn't take it so much as a dig on Matt Smith. <laughs> of course it was a dig on Matt Smith. I took it as... Of course it was a look dig. How many, look how many instances he's won a, wore a bow tie in the past. Three different incarnations. It was, it was even though that's the case. <laughs> it was pointing at that as much as the scarf comments we've gotten twice now. It was a day good. I like it. I like. I like the idea. I, it's, even though it's I, it's my I, doctor, I, I it's your doctor. It. I like the digs. I think it's very in character with uh, with twelve. It's just and very, it's very in, character. in character with the doctor. I love in that. general. I love that. Well, I had vanity issues. Well, yeah, <laughs> he's always <laughs> insulting his past in, in every constantly. in every multi doctor story. They don't particularly seem to like each other at all when they show up, and yeah. it's constantly fancy pants, scarecrow, you know, the, yeah. the, you know, a, a dandy, dandy and a clown, and I mean, there's it's constant. So, which is this episode, Granddad and Sand Shoes? Yeah. If we just care about on. it, this episode also kind of points Chin. to why they kind of are. Don't like each other. They don't like seeing their own face, even though it's themselves. It's still oh, kind of like so, the clone yeah. idea. Yeah, I think so. And I was going for middle of the minimalist and came out <laughs> <laughs> Bravo line for that of the, line. Line of the episode. <laughs> it just 
I, I know we've, 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 done, we've done a lot of little meta things this year, but yeah. that one, bravo. Agreed. It makes me wonder if Stephen Moffat's not trolling fandom again. He, <laughs> we know he got off Twitter for a while because he was angry, but it makes me wonder if he's not keeping tabs on it. Although I wonder if he just looked at the, the shots of him like this and said, you look like a magician, dude, and then went off and wrote that line. May not even be his, because it was co-written by uh, uh, the other, be, the other Steve. Yeah. So maybe he came up with it and Moffat went, yeah, okay, I'll allow it. Was <laughs> that everybody? That was everybody. Let's move on to our review. The Bank of Carabraxus is the deadliest bank in the cosmos. Only a fool or genius would tempt to rob it. Fortunately for the doctor, he's both. But nothing, even the doctor, has encountered can impair, can prepare them for the teller, a creature of terrifying power that can detect guilt. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, good. Because I was afraid you were going to give us an, as an enthusiastic dun, dun, dun as last week. And I thought, if we're going to use dun, dun, dun as our gauge, you can't give everything an enthusiastic dun, dun, dun. So you didn't. So I appreciate yeah, that. I, I, I agree with your level of enthusiasm. I would agree with your level it was, of enthusiasm. It, as, as with most of our feedbackers, it was an enjoyable episode that had Quite some enjoyable. great bits and not a few little problems. Who wants to start? Well, if you had problems, maybe you should start. You know, as the episode was going on, I, I, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I was thrilled that the memory worms showed up because I wasn't expecting them to. What, what I figured I really it was like, a one-off Strax joke, and then all of a sudden they were they were. It's like, oh, cool. Unfortunately, I, I like that they made them no longer a joke. That yeah, it wasn't there just to be a joke. I like that they brought them yeah, back and yeah. used them for a purpose. Purpose, purposely. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I had listened to an interview on Radio Free Scarl with the director, and I, the, the, his name escapes me now, but. He, he, had, he had mentioned that the memory worms were making a return. So when I saw them, I went, oh, this is where they're at. So. Douglas McKinnon. That's it. Who directed... Last week's... Listen. Listen. Yeah. yeah. They seem to he be also did uh, a, one or two last season, I believe. I think he if did. I'm correct, if I'm correct. It was well directed. I yeah. will say that since oh, yeah. we're on, oh, yeah, on the topic. Absolutely. There were a lot of really cool... Um, very heisty feel shots. Very, yeah, it was. It was the whole episode was especially constructed. The, very especially well. the very beginning, once they decide to go ahead and do this after they take their hands off the memory worms, the entire sequence felt very Ocean's Eleven ish. Yeah, heist style. Well, you, you've got to do that. You've got to have the narrator explaining the the the, 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 the heist while you're doing the heist, which works when you don't have your memory because you're having to piece it back together, and so the best way to do it is to, to piece it. it out out loud. Yeah. 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 And so that that was that was really wonderful. Um, I, I liked the characters of Sai and uh, Sabra. Sabra, however we're pronouncing her name this week. <laughs> well, it seemed to me for the longest time they were saying Saber, 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 and then it's not until about halfway through the episode that the Doctor starts em- em- emphasizing the the bra. Sabra, Sabra, Sabra. Most because he's and Scottish. I thought, yeah. Well, and I thought, okay, but maybe it was it was the first time I'd heard him say the name. But it is spelled S A I B R E, so it would be Sabra. No, it's, according to this, it's S A I B R A. R A. R A. Okay. Sabra. Well, then there's more of a emphasis on the uh, at the end. Yeah. I, I just thought it was S. That's according B-R-E. to Tardis Wikia. Oh, okay. Um, but I thought they were both very interesting characters that I kind of hope make a return appearance at some point. I doubt they will, but you know, I would. Sai and Sabra. Yeah. Well, especially I, the way that Sai leaves. Yeah. It's kind of implied that yeah, that we're going to see him again. Um, 
Well, the, especially when the doctor does that call yeah. me. <laughs> the bomb. How many other people has he given the number two? I was so hyped that the bomb did this whop thing and the floor disappeared and the doctor was pleased with it. And I was like, yeah, that's really cool. And then they put the floor back and I went, that's just like Captain Jack's gun, an empty child. That's not <laughs> exciting at all. You've seen that before. Bummer. I didn't have so much have I never, a problem. I never thought of that. It's just, he, put, he takes the thing out and puts it back. <laughs> I didn't so much have a problem with that. And it's okay with you that. More. Yeah, in fact, because it's a heist and because you're trying to cover your tracks <laughs> if as well. It's better as here than in that. Progress them. The, <laughs> the problem that I had. Although it was. The, Go ahead, sorry. The problem that I had with that How was. I never use that gun again after that scene. That's what I want to know. <laughs> sorry, Clint. Go ahead. <laughs> what else would you have wrong with it? No, I'm no, Go ahead. Tell me about the bomb. The problem, the problem that I ended up having was later when you find out, which. There was no surprise to me that the Doctor was the architect. That was one of the things yeah. that all along in my mind I kept going, hey, I wonder if it's the Doctor. Yeah, I wonder if it's the Doctor. Yeah, I wonder if it's the Doctor. Surprise, it's the Doctor. Um, one of the things I had problem with that is if he's the one that set all these up, even though he wiped his memory, it's not like he wiped his entire memory and a catalog of anything that he would have known about. But as soon as he saw the device, he did recognize it was a bomb. But I also think that he would have recognized what type of bomb it was. That was one of the things that kind of bugged me a little bit. It, it was it was a, a Swiss cheese memory effect for needs of the plot. That's which, that's exactly what the, it turns the, the, which out being. Doesn't yeah. jive with what we've learned about the memory worm before, right? But uh, okay, I'm going to allow it. Um, so yeah, the bomb was oh, okay. It was really cool. Wait, maybe not so much. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> they, they get into the room with the the, the teller. And it takes this very ominous left turn for me. The tone shifted. It stopped being fun. I would agree. I would agree. And But when, I think that's purposeful. Well, it is. But I, I, I couldn't put my finger on why. And in a way, I still can't. Sigh's there. She's being impacted by this thing. And the Saber. Doc, Saber. Sigh. Saber's uh, being impacted by this thing. And the doctor's like, she's soup. There's nothing I can do. And... I, I, again, this kind of callousness toward the death of a temporary companion, I, I find troublesome. It's just, I, I, I don't mind the inevitability of it to lend some weight to uh, a situation. I don't like the callousness of it. And so finally he goes out to help her, and she's like the, the um, whatever they are, the shredders that, you, you know, it's a escape clause or whatever. You, you mean what I think it means. Yeah. And so he gives it to her. And she, for all intents and purposes, commits suicide rather than be turned into soup. I wonder if he knew that it was a teleporter. Well, here's the deal. I suspected when I saw the effect. At the time it happened, it bothered me something fierce. Because I kept thinking to myself, you just got done giving this big impassioned speech about how disturbing it is to look at yourself through somebody else's eyes. Or through your own eyes. And I kind of kept waiting for the doctor to just reach out and touch her so that she would take on his appearance and that would maybe confuse the thing and let her go. And so it just, it really... But it wouldn't have given her any... Well, I had, th- I had to think, yeah, I had to think like that, that through yeah. later, but it, it just, the, the, the whole situation was set up to be a no-win, and I kept looking at it going, there's a way out of this. There's, I, I don't buy that the only way out is to commit suicide at this juncture. Because the thing is still in the box. It just sensed you in the room. I mean, there, 
there's got to be something here that, 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 but because the needs of the script required that we get her out of the way at this point, this is what happened. Now later, they kind of fixed it with the reveal that well, this is a teleporter and it's not really death, and that she's coming back and and, and this that and the other. And I, I really did. I had to think through the whole. It's just the appearance and not the brainwave patterns, but it seems odd based on what was said previously. Okay, I don't know. There was just something very off-putting about the way that was foisted on me and and it was meant to be an emotional moment and it was but it just i don't know it didn't jive with me real well i I can't explain why the i i i agree with you and i think i felt a lot of the same uneasiness as well but i think the reason that i kind of flew i was flowing with it is because we're only five episodes in we don't know the 12th doctor that well and it might just be the callousness that this personality has in the doctor, well, and, 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 and it and was knowing, almost a sort of compassion to give her the agreed for the same yeah. reason that, that the doctor that, gives if, what's if his name just, the gun and image of the Findal or uh, yeah image of the Findal yeah. to kill himself, and we all went wow that that was really a very undoctor like thing, but I think when there's when it is a no-win situation, I think the doctor has to make a choice, and I think Keith's on to something that it is a very compassionate had, had thing. Had he just run off and left her there, I would have had a yeah. huge, huge issue with yeah. it. If there no, was a, agree, there's nothing we can do and left, yeah, that would have been a it problem. D- it just seems like, and maybe it's the format shift, I don't know, it just seems like previous doctors, we'd have fought a little harder, a little longer to find a way out before they probably would. conceding the defeat. I, 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 they think, probably I think that's just the new trait of the that's just, yeah, He seems I, I, very I'm quick saying. to be, yep, yeah, you're screwed. <laughs> I now, don't know. I, as you said that, thinking this through and back to my problem with the bomb, is I don't think that, the, I, I don't want to lend the idea that I think that the doctor remembered anything about what they were doing. But it now sort of makes me wonder that he did. He just didn't let on. He recognized what kind of bomb this was and played into the idea that it was here and he didn't know that much about it and pretended to be surprised, although maybe he did think, okay, I think I know what this is and it's only going to disrupt the uh, matter into another another, uh, dimension and then bring it back, obviously. (laughs) We didn't convey that, but because then when he says it, he, he says it surprisingly, but Right, almost like maybe he knew. So maybe also along that same lines, when he was giving that to her, he recognized that he, or when he got them in the first place, he recognized that these could be suicide pills, or they could be teleports. And so that gives me enough of a hope that maybe he gave it to her, thinking, "I hope this really is the teleport." But I'm still going to play this game as to this is the suicide pill because this is how this is, seems to be progressing out. And he was surprisingly right with the yeah. bomb. And so, fortunately, it paid off that he's, again, surprising. And surprised, as, as I said, they, they, right. they kind of fixed it for me when it is later revealed that, yes, they are teleporters, which, again, Missy didn't make an appearance when she died, so we should have known that she wasn't dead. But we'll get into that. Um, <laughs> True. That's the first thing I thought when she died. I, I thought, well, she's going to go to heaven or whatever. Yeah, so well, she's not she'll, really. She'll dead. be at the end of the episode. So. Now. But um, yeah, when so she, when you, uh, you know they show back up when they were teleporters, that's kind of where I went with it too. I started backtracking, going, 
All right, well, maybe he knew just enough or remembered just enough that he suspected that or hope or right suspect or suspicion was wrong. I mean, he yeah. lied right out front going, uh, it's nothing, and took them. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? But you're supposed to get the impression that he recognized that they were the suicide pill. I keep saying suicide pill metaphorically. They right, were actually yeah. something else. What do they call them, scramblers? Yeah. Shredders. Shredders. That's what our feedbackers are called. Yeah, sorry, shredders. That is what it was called. Um so that was the impression you're supposed to get, but that's what makes me wonder if he knew they could either be the shredder could be the suicide device or the um, teleport. Yeah. So then we get down into the catacombs, and Claire is really bad about not thinking of things apparently because man, I homed in right you on know, her. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't feel any. I don't. Feel, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I, don't I, I could, could either. I sat there and thought, "How do you blank your mind out of anything? A wall. You can't a blank wall. You can't. Why you can't do it? Because wall. once you see that wall, wall it looks wall. like the wall in the playground on the side of your uh, <laughs> elementary school, and, and suddenly your brain is off and running. Yeah, and there's it's, just it's, no it's way. Really hard. Yeah, I, I I couldn't do it. I'm not. I'm not saying I, that Claire is really bad at it. I for years I could do it. I'd say, I for no, years I studied transcendental meditation and could never. Clear my mind as much as you need to for that discipline <laughs> ever. Never. I'm sorry. Probably I, I, can. I find something new about you every <laughs> week, and it never ceases to amaze me the multifacets of your personality. Transcend. I'm, I'm, I, I mean this with no. I'm not trying to make a joke here. Transcendental. Meditation, meditation, yeah, that you and and seriously, like uh, not uh, more like pseudo seriously, but I mean, pseudo seriously, yeah, yeah, not, more as a hobby. Not, I didn't like go to like specialized training or anything, but I did a little reading, a lot of reading on it. Um, there was a, uh, um, oh, I can't remember. I keep wanting to say sensei, but that's not what they call him. Uh, that came to my college, and that's what got me interested in it. And we spent a few days with him and and just learning about focus and. It's really irrelevant because I don't, I don't do it anymore. But I, it was more of a if you, if you were the Beatles, this is your time with the Dalai that Lama. Was, that I'm was very the, interested the, in this. Maharishi or the Maharasha. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Maharishi. Um, no, it, it was one of those things that in college I needed a release, and that was where I went to. And and I like I said, I I probably practiced personally practiced for five years, six years. It was more of a. It was less of a spiritual thing for me and more of a relaxation thing for me, which I now find myself, when I try to get away from some of my thoughts of things, I do find myself using some of those disciplines, but not as a not as a, any sort of serious practice of it now. It's more of a, some of those things help in, in stress relief and things like that. Sure. So, but yeah, I did. I mean, if you were able to like slip yourself into a coma... On command, I'd be really upset that you hadn't demonstrated. This is my but <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. Well, that's that's another thing. I, I never could drive everything. I've never been able to drive everything out of my mind. So that came screaming back to me when she was doing <laughs> oh, that. Yeah. It was that. No, I totally sympathize with you because I've tried. I've made attempts to do that, but yeah, I, well, I never could. In, in a way, it almost flashes back to deep breath of her struggling to do something that all of us would struggle to do. Yeah, absolutely. Or last week when she don't think about Danny Pink, think about your childhood. Okay, and she yeah. thinks about Danny Pink. And she thinks about Danny. Pink. Although part of that is because the phone call came. Yeah. Oh, and I didn't yeah. forget. I forgot to mention that I told this to uh, Keith that on my second viewing, um, what was it? There was a, a bit, of, a bit in the back of my mind. I was all, I was often bothered by the fact that why when we've been distracted and we go to Danny Pink, 
and we're on this whole track, why suddenly do we go to the doctor's past? Why is that? That just seemed weird that we 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 jumped that track, and it was that was one of the little things that bothered me in the back of my mind. I didn't bring it up last week, but it just kind of it bothered me enough that I kept thinking about it. And on second viewing. At the time that she's trying to get the TARDIS out of there... She's trying to save the Doctor. No. Well, yes. But at the time she's trying to get them out of there, she's trying to save all of them. So she still has a personal connection to that. But as she does that and starts to to do whatever she's doing telepathically to steer the TARDIS or send the TARDIS away, that's when the 12th Doctor sets up and does that inhale. (gasps) That's the phone call moment. That she's quickly distracted by the doctor in the same way that she was distracted by the phone call, knowing that was Danny. She heard the gasp from the doctor at the same time, knowing that was the doctor, and that was the trigger. That's and the it kick. Completely fixed me. It completely fixed any problems I had with that episode. Cool. I'm looking forward to rewatching some of these. <laughs> yeah, we straight away. Sorry. Sure. Back to. <laughs> so you're pointing out you're you're pointing out things that I had very minute problems with, and yeah. I can completely understand what well, where just, you're coming from. It's not again. It's not a major thing. Okay, so when side die, I'm trying to think. So Claire's in thing. Side dies. We're doing the thing. We get into the vault, and the doctor makes the line. Who would want to be locked up with their riches? Did anybody else? Jump up, fists pumped and raised in the air, screaming, Time Meddler! The monk is going to be behind the door! And the door opened, and there's all this stuff. And I was like, yes, we got one right! And then the chair spun around, and it's that crazy woman. I'm like, who the hell are you? Maybe she regenerated. No. Disappointment. This week you're on your own on that one. No, I'm the only one. <laughs> I did not think it was. James said the same thing. He was like, "It's the oh, <laughs> we were right there." And I was oh, sorry, I didn't go there either. But. I just, I know, I want it to be true so badly sometimes <laughs> that I get real excited. So yeah, that was a huge letdown for me personally because it was like oh, that's the problem. Is we're then trying, I had to get back into the story again. We're but. trying to steer the boat on the sea of serendipity. Uh, serendipity. We should know better. But um, I, I, I'm with you. I didn't think it was a big surprise that the Doctor wound up being the architect. Even Mel kind of had that surprise. Oh, that's where I was well, going with that. Well, Holly and um, Alex both pointed that out as well. Yeah. That they they yeah. sort of saw that coming, too. When um, Sarah was half asleep watching it and caught that. When the Doctor's there doing his bit and then turns and the teller's right there, did anybody else... That was like... Both Mel and I, now admittedly it was three in the morning we were watching it. We were a little tired, but I, four feet off the couch I jumped. <laughs> Just for some reason, that image of, and here's the thing. It was like, ah! I mean, like heart attack inducing. It was I, I, I scary. That. No, no, but this was certainly another week of very tense storytelling. Very, yeah. whoa, what's happening next storytelling. Another week of that. So, um. Oh, I. I the vents. Yeah, worst bank ever. Yeah. <laughs> and it's such a sci-fi trope, but I, I, I just, I guess I expect more sometimes. But the doctors, that's, here's the one, here's what works, Keith. The doctor runs up to the one that says, do not open, or not, uh, what, what do, do not enter. Do, do not, not enter. enter. And he says, 
he points at that and says, "This says um, uh, this basically says go through here." I mean, he said, he, he kind "I missed that." Of, line. I'm, I'm, I'm again paraphrasing because I don't remember word for word. But he's he and he made that comment, and I thought, "Oh, that totally, yeah, you're right." <laughs> you're just pointing it out. <laughs> this pretty much says doorway or something. I can't remember exactly what he says. And these were even bigger than I like know. Your they're, 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 I mean, bits, how big can what? we make an air vent for you to crawl through? This big. Let's make it so they don't have to duck. I wonder how much of that. I, I, I mean, I mean, no disrespect here. Somebody else has commented recently to me outside of the podcast about how there doesn't seem to be quite as much running about chasing monsters since Capaldi's taken over being a little bit older. And I kind of wonder <laughs> really how much the of the physical design. Yeah, I love that. But how much of the physical design of this was like we want to make it so that he doesn't have to bend all the way over to get through the gate? I don't know. I'm just. Just throw that out there, but um, yeah, no. I, this, the teller scared the bejesus out of me when he turned and was there. We all um, agree that design, design, amazing, execution, of amazing, the teller was amazing, very yeah, I cool. I liked a lot, very so cool. And I, I thought that there was going to be some CGI other than the boom, 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 and there wasn't. Like the eyes weren't even CGI. Yeah, that was all animatronic. I was really impressed by that. Even watching that, I thought, nah, that might be, the eye's movement might be CGI. But. Proud Dad moment was when Mason pointed at it and said, hey, Dad, it looks like something from Star Wars. <laughs> it yes, did. Son. Yes, son, it did. It really, really had a lot of Star Wars. I mean, that that to me is like this season's half. That's just the really cool alien of the season sure, so far. Sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, ironically, I remember seeing a set picture of them walking off and we all off mic kind of speculated, oh, that might be a Nymon of some sort. And it didn't occur to me until I watched the extra and we saw it, it showed them walking off there. I was like, oh, that's where that set picture came from. <laughs> oh. Because oh. otherwise I would never have seen it without the jumpsuit. I tell you, to address some of the things that, that Alex talked about, about the how that being kind of a weak point as far as that same trope of the alien... Being needing to be rescued, I I I see where he's coming from, but I'm certainly okay with it because it's a trope that I enjoy. It's a trope that you know if, if you if you like a trope, it doesn't so <laughs> it doesn't much look like you. a trope. You know what I mean? But he's certainly right that that's there. But one of the things that kind of keyed me off, and I sort of wondered if it was going to be the poor alien needs to be rescued, was the fact that they were walking him around in a straight jacket. With chains. Yeah. And I, I sort of thought about that, and the doctor almost, and this line seems to be kind of calculated, that the doctor almost s- tries to fix that story wise, the line uh, where he's talking about uh, it being their bloodhound. He talks about it being their security dog type. And again, I don't exactly what and, and so it's almost like the writer there is trying to hide the idea that, yeah, we've got. It in a straight jacket. Yes, we've got it in chains, yeah. but we want you to miss. We want to misdirect you, and make you think. Well, yeah, they would do that with you know a dog. It'd be on a leash and a collar and, and whatnot. So, but it wasn't enough for me to misdirect me. And so the whole time I kept thinking, I wonder if it's going to be the subject of what this ultimately is. And I went as far as thinking that maybe the uh, teller somehow contacted a doctor or maybe the teller was somehow connected with the architect and 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 while it didn't it 
it did end up going down that road of, of the alien need to be rescued. It almost would have made a night. I mean, obviously, it kind of ruins the redemption of Calyrex's character. That you know, if, if you'd gone that route, you know, and maybe at the end he pulled out the psychic paper and said, "I didn't know what this meant until I got all my memories back." But this is what kicked everything off. But you kind of take away the phone call and the psychic, you know, if you if you do it psychically. But the other thing that I had problem with, and I'm kind of honestly surprised nobody's brought up, is the very convenient solar storm that shows up out of nowhere, and then all of a sudden it's here. There's no mention of it anywhere in the episode until, uh, oh, there's a storm. Really? We're going to go, okay. I mean, it's another trope, and yeah, it's not necessarily one that I mind, but... It would have been nice if that had been part of the info dump during the heist that we'll be doing this during this time, because the bank will be further depleted. There won't be as many people around. Or oh, I, I something. see what you're saying. If they had set it up, if they had set up, had set that up as part. But that's again, though. I, I guess maybe that's that not so bad some of the for drama me. Of them trying to get the vault door open. Yeah, but I mean, that go, also goes yeah, back but to we, the... We, you just, just setting it up doesn't necessarily mean that you know about it until it happens. Just the fact that it, it just seemed very convenient that all of a sudden the lights flickered and went out. And it's like, really? You know? And, and it, it seemed like a very minor power fluctuation when the vault door opened, but then later this wave crashes into the pyramid and it's, it's like, destroy Whoa, the entire this bag. is a serious thing. People are fleeing for their lives here. Wasn't there a, you know, a tornado siren or something that went off and said, hey, the well, sun's going to blow up they, or something? They said earlier that as the storm was getting worse, people were leaving and evacuating. And that, that but again, after they that. they'd already established that there guess, was a storm. I don't know. know it but just, I mean, the, the storm has to be sort of that surprise. And you're right, it is a trope. But I think that the ultimate thing is that the the event that needed to happen happened at the epics of this storm yeah. and the doctor which that was I love the fact that he says they're they're questioning where's the TARDIS and <laughs> was a great and, and the doctor a and the doctor says you know well uh, it's easier you, to rob a bank it's with easier the TARDIS. to rob a bank with a TARDIS so the question is where's the TARDIS now, why aren't we using it why aren't no, we question, using it the and question then, is where is it then Clara comes up with the yeah. question yeah well, why aren't we using it so I love the fact that they dropped that idea and then I like the idea that the doctor in fact, the doctor ha- did use the TARDIS in order to break into the bank because he had to place all of the stuff that mm-hmm. was there. Unfortunately, the instant that it had to be, the, the, to the, the apex of it that had to be happened, had to be when there was a storm. And I think the doctor then retroactively realized, okay, I've got to use that as part of the heist, but we, uh, the, you couldn't formulate that into anything going up, or that would not have been, yeah, exactly the um, uh, intense, you know, moment yeah. in order to, to get to that point. So, no, I don't know. I don't know that I needed it, knowing that the doctor knew all along beforehand. Once we found out what once was going found on, out, yeah, it just it, it kind of was. It was even it, it's, fine it's, at it, that point. It, it's kind of one of those things that there were, there were, there were a whole series of those kinds of moments where, when it happened, it really bothered me. And yes, we retroactively fixed all of it at the end, but unfortunately, I was kind of left with this—not sour taste in my mouth, but 
I'm, I'm still a little on the fence as to how I really feel about this one because I, it was an enjoyable romp. It was a lot of fun. It was a cool episode. Well, I like Ocean's t- Eleven, so <laughs> I automatically have an affinity me, for high stories. Fix, let me fix one but thing. There's a lot you of things on. that I don't like. Let's not throw romp out there anymore because this oh, is not, not, well, not, not, not a romp. And I said last week it looked like it was going to be a fun romp, another one of these fun romps. And then I started watching this thing going as it just kept getting further well, and further started, away from being a romp. It started as, it started a, romp, as a romp, yeah. Romp's the wrong word. Yeah. A, fun, a fun adventure story. Yes, you know. it was certainly an enjoyable adventure. And, and like I said, I like heist movies. I love Ocean's Eleven and uh, The Italian Job, and I don't mind watching those over and over again, because for me, part of the fun is seeing how the plan comes together and, and reliving those, those high See, notes. See, and I think that's what they were trying to do, is trying to do the heist thing, but not oh, laying totally the were. seeds there. Yeah, they totally were. And that's beca- why all those tropes because, are in there. Because but. of the way that the, 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 the story is structured, you couldn't have all of those typical heist tropes. And that's why, Alex, I that's think... That's the that time aspect. Yeah, I think, yeah. It, I think it, that's why... Yeah, you're right. It's it is not a heist movie per se. If you're comparing it to things like Ocean's Eleven and and Maltese Falcon and all these different things, but if you look at it in the fact that hey, we had to shovel this down to 45 minutes, which it looked like from the time on iTunes, this is the shortest one so far, is it? which I thought was surprising. I may be wrong because I was kind of flipping through the different episodes. Um, but I think this one was only 45 minutes. So, um, But anyway, yeah, uh, you lose a lot of that time or the, a lot of that heist element by having to funnel it down into what we had yeah. and then contain it within the story that it was, was being told there. So you didn't have a lot of those things. Although I still felt like they gave the mood of a heist film. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, they did. Absolutely. They, they were able to capture the, 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 the flavor, uh, <laughs> if, you, if you will. But... Um, Will we? Yeah. Okay, we will. I, uh, <laughs> I I kind of agree. I'm not sure if I like the doctor's shut up. But then when he <laughs> went shuddy shuddy whatever shuddy up 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 up, up that, you know that's a very doctor thing. Okay, I'm fine with that. I wasn't <laughs> sure initially. The I hate the architect. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. And it's like we've got to be talking about yourself because anybody else, I'm going to be upset yeah. over yeah. the yeah. way that you structured this. And, Although uh, when he when he gave the shut up line, I thought it was odd that no one was talking. <laughs> shut up! Well, no one's saying anything. Say anything. Yeah, again, another you know, it's, it's a it's a it's a very very doctor thing I, to do. I, that's it. I look back though, and I there was a part of me that was hoping saying, the master would have reappeared. That, that he would have been <laughs> the architect of this, and when everyone went, <clears throat> but we keep we keep saying very doctorly thing to do and and I'm just as guilty and I'm not going to fault anybody for saying it because I think we look for those hints of the doctor but I think also this being such a new doctor I know when the fifth doctor came along I kept going well I don't like that because it's not this and I don't like that and I know when six came along I went well I don't like that because it's not this and that and when the seventh doctor came along I went well he doesn't feel and I feel like we do that every time. There are maybe some exceptions, and I can't think of any time that Matt Smith did anything that I went, that doesn't feel like the Doctor. But we just came out of that era of the Doctor. And so I almost am reaching for those things for Capaldi to set himself different. from the. And so the shut-up thing, if that's going to be his element, yeah. Let's have a little that, bit that, of a that, weird Doctor. I'm fine with that. It fits in the prickly aspect. It does. It fits yeah. in the prickly. So I'm actually, every time that happens... I'm not, uh, Sean, I'm not chastising no, 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 you for not. saying that because I felt the same thing. I thought, oh, not very doctorly. But then as I let it 
kind of settle in, I went, but that's that's the stamp he's putting on it. And you know what? I'm fine with that. This oh, is how this like doctor's he's the going first to one be. To tell someone exactly. to shut up. Exactly. Look how many times Eccleston said it. <laughs> so is, is is it a um, in the thick of it joke? Well, I'll tell you, there there are uh, uh, no that particular one, no. But there are so many mannerisms and and just things that come across that are very Malcolm Reynolds. And I and I go, I don't often like that because you know I've always come down on Mel Gibson because Mel Gibson is Mel Gibson and everything. And um, we were just talking about Simon Pegg, and for the longest time, Simon Pegg was Simon Pegg and everything. Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise and everything. And I don't want to. Go in and say Peter Capaldi is Peter Capaldi and everything, but there are shadows and elements of Malcolm Reynolds in there, just as much so as I think there are, you know, uh, Tucker. Tucker, yes, I'm sorry. You no, kept saying you kept saying Malcolm Tucker, yes. Yeah, I'm you sorry. kept saying I Malcolm Reynolds, Reynolds, and I yeah. kept going Firefly, and then yeah. my brain was no, no, going, no, we're talking Tucker. about in the yes, thing. Yes, and then you said Malcolm here. Reynolds, and I said Firefly. Malcolm no, we're talking Tucker. about yes. <laughs> so, uh, and, and there's okay. elements of Malcolm Tucker in that, and so. But on the flip side of that, then I look at Capaldi's uh, portrayal as uh, oh, the guy in Fires of Pompeii. I can't remember. Maximus? No, uh, Maximus? Was it Maximus? Sure. Okay. Anyway, whoever it was, um, capitalist. Um, it was <laughs> that was quite different than anything I'd seen him in, and the same with the Torchwood stuff. So he he clearly can do those kind of things, and I almost wonder if we're adding that little bit of Malcolm Tucker in because looking for it, looking for it, yeah. yeah. And I'm going okay, that's very Malcolm, but because that's the longest I've seen him in anything. So, but yes, and I'm quite enjoying that because while Malcolm Tucker is not a likable man, not at all. I love the character. <laughs> you enjoy watching him. So, there's that. Um, there's something about the end that I wanted to comment on for the life of me now. I don't remember what it was. Did you have anything else, Keith? Or? I don't think so. I totally thought that... Keith, um, you've been quiet. Been quiet. Yeah, I, We've kind of been ramrodding the conversation, uh, though, too. Although, he'll, he'd been throwing his two cents in, I think, every time yeah. we bring something yeah. up that you and, wanted to talk about. This episode just kind of landed in the... It was, it was enjoyable. It's not a woohoo best of the season. Yeah, oh no, no, no. Um, I think I enjoyed Robot of Sherwood more just because of the fun element of it. But yeah, it was. That's why I, looking back in, and I can't help but do it, I tried, I'm trying to rank yeah. these this season. It just, it just inevitably listen. happens. <laughs> yeah, way well, that's just it. it, it it's it, This is way behind listen. Um, this is probably even for me way behind deep breath after second viewing. Um, but there's those three: Into the Dalek, Rob, uh, Sherwood, uh, Robot of Sherwood, Robot of Sherwood, and this one. And I think I finally, even though it was a Dalek story, and I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed it, I think that Into the Dalek is probably the bottom. But I can't now. So now I've landed all of those, but I can't land this against Robot Ro- of Sherwood. Yeah. It's almost interchangeable. Uh, to to me, me, all three of them are kind of. Just, just circling, circling there, yeah, yeah, it's all kind of the same. Different moods for different aspects. I, I was, I, I was fully expecting the missing character to show up, especially after what's her face died. Yeah, and I was pleasantly surprised that she, obviously, no one died, so she couldn't show up. But I was glad that she didn't, and there was no promised land reference. Yeah. So this is the second episode now that we haven't had anything. I like that we kind of. She was only in the first well, two. The, she the was promised in, land. 
Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So right. I, I, yeah she I was only in the first two, but promise I was alluded to. I I lumped the two together as far as I know at this point. And, <laughs> I like the fact that we're kind of moving away from well, it a little bit, as it's it's not as heavy handed as it as Kavorian with the. I agree, patch. but I almost feel myself missing it that maybe they should have added something in there because now we've had two together that I'm like, okay, you were really heavy handed in the first three episodes. But you're not going to address it all in the next two, and so having only known, other than if Missy oh, is the one that gave Clara the well, number that, in that the that is the small plot then, that I yeah, think that was might placed be, in I this mean, one. That, that just may be our our piece this week. Well, and sometimes too. I mean, obviously, this will be a larger overall conspiracy theory, whatever you want to call it, uh, arc for this season. But sometimes we go looking for things. Like I don't know if oh, you guys yeah. remember in in, in uh, season. Seven, when Christmas made an appearance in the first three episodes, and we all went, oh, "What are they going to do?" And then they dropped it. It just happened to be the line that you yeah. know kept coming back up. So sometimes we jump on things and That's get real excited about them that aren't there. Don't, don't really pan out. Um, I just like that if you more it's so, a, than it's okay that they're well, getting away from <laughs> things. I'm okay with their, that they're getting away from it for me. And yeah. let the plot be in the background until we need to get there. Yeah. To sum up, I, 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 like I said, I kind of agree with everybody. I think, you know, I, I thought it was fun. I thought the tropes were there, but I didn't mind. I agree that the time loop element has gotten a little maybe stale at this point. Because we've also talked about that, like when we went back and watched some of the earlier ones with Pertwee uh, and Day of the Daleks and some of the stuff that was, wow, this was really cool if we hadn't already seen this a hundred times by now. <laughs> yeah. This is a self fulfilling prophecy thing. Well, yeah. that whole season where the Master shows up every time. <laughs> well, that's going to be also time loops and the sympathetic villain. I think are going to be Moffat's two big traits when he leaves the show. I think you're right. Yeah, that the villain and I used to really like the fact that the villain wasn't always a villain, but there's not enough just villains to balance it out for me at this point. I'm getting a little. I'm kind of like Alex and getting or Eric and getting tired of it. It's okay. We get it. Not everyone's always bad. You're dabbling too much in gray. Give me a little black. Give me a little white. We need to know where the boundaries are. Yeah, because even the Daleks have been kind of grayed, grayed a yeah. little bit. The last truly evil character I can think of is Miss Gilliflower. From uh, Bills of St. John? No, uh, Crimson Horror. Uh, Crimson. Crimson Aura. Crimson, Crimson Aura. Yes, Crimson Horror. Sorry. Because even, like, going back to that, uh, she, the Bells of St. John, Kislet. she... Kislet had her reasons. Even the great intelligence, just seeking a form, whatever form that is, it's still some sort of not as... Well, the great intelligence was the evil there. Well, yeah, but <laughs> the great intelligence wasn't as evil as it could have been, I think. It wasn't just trying to take over the world. It was trying to eventually make a form. Am I remembering that right? Was that... Ultimately, the... <laughs> the Maybe yeah, I he was trying to take over the world. He was trying to take over the, yeah, the world... And when the plot was foiled once again by the doctor, then it was just he was out to ruin the doctor's life. Well, yeah, well, so <laughs> and ruin everything. Yeah, that he, yeah, so that that maybe, so, yeah. yeah. So I guess great intelligence went pure evil. Okay. But but some of the one-off characters have not been just bad. Solomon. Well, I guess Crimson Aura was actually uh, was. But Solomon even was. He was malicious. He, he was, was malicious, a, he was a bad but guy. He, was, he was going for malicious. money. Yeah. Well. 
Yeah, but then he didn't have any problem with not getting it either. Uh, that's true. <laughs> Screw you, I'm gonna blow it up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, he's just he was just a bad guy. Maybe I need to go and look at a list and figure out which one. <laughs> see how, see how the balance actually weighs out. But that's even. I been, agree with the sentiment. That was even I, before uh, Crimson Horror. So yeah, it yeah. was still before Crimson Horror. But yeah, I, I agree with you. It'd be nice to have a a bad guy who lines up on the side of bad because they're bad. Because we've had, especially I, this season, we've had the half man who was trying to get home. You know, yeah. fulfill, fulfill the programming. We've had. Um, the Daleks, which we kind the closest of established we had was, were uh, the sheriff. But on the flip side of that, if you had a good old fashioned cut and dry black and white episode, everybody'd be complaining that the the writing wasn't as good. Yeah, that's true. Too. I mean, that, that, that's what it boiled down to. Yeah, everybody would be carrying this. A to, lot of people would. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we'd be comparing this to an old Doctor Who where it was just right against wrong, and there's no imagination there. It feels like every other Doctor Who we've ever done, and so. While I agree with the statement you guys are making about how it's starting to feel like there's a lot of gray, I think that there's a lot of gray there so that the writing can be was able to flourish a little bit so that yeah. you can use some of those misdirections and some of that misguidance and so that you can tell that story and at the end be pleasantly surprised or non not pleasantly surprised at the outcome because you don't have because when you go in with Ultimate good and ultimate evil, you know what the outcome's going to be. Well, Good's yeah. always going to win over evil. The That's Doctor's true. not going to die. Yeah. I, I guess it just Again. feels like Moffat's using it more than RTD did. I, I certainly think you're right. Yeah. But RTD's storytelling was more was in line very, with the classic series. Different. Or yeah. with, the, with the established Doctor yeah. stories. Yeah, this is, this it's is, a very different This is thinking differently about, yeah. about things. And unfortunately, it, it does. It starts to look like we're just playing with gray and there's no bad guys. But... And maybe we wouldn't have as big a problem with it if it wasn't the the playing with gray and the time loop elements that are kind of all now starting to muddle together yeah. and become that kind of and shade of gray. I'm going to blame Alex this week because I I didn't have as much problem with the the, the time loops we've been getting and hadn't noticed as much until he brought it up and I'm like <laughs> yeah you're kind of right we are doing that but a lot I mean maybe not I, we don't know but the Moffat effect the burrito loop <laughs> and the bootstrap effect. What's the burrito loop again? <laughs> Some pigs who got married. Haven't I brought that up before? No, I don't think so. You should explain that to me sometime. <laughs> Anything else? One of Jim Carrey's best characters. Jim Carrey was in there? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I don't think anything else. What do we got coming up on the schedule? On the schedule for next week, I can unequivocally say I think we nailed this pairing. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do School Reunion for Friday Night Who, David Tennant, Sarah Jane. They're posing as people at a school. Then we'll be reviewing The Caretaker, which Capaldi shows up posing as a caretaker at a school. <laughs> I'm confident this week. Very confident. And Cole Hill this time. And yes. Yeah. Um, next week, Planet of Fire, Peter Davidson. That is one FYI that um, is unavailable. On DVD, so you may have a little bit of issue locating it. Um, hopefully, it's you know, still out there in, uh, in some shape or form. I think that we've established it is on Hulu Plus, or do we know now that I brought that up? <laughs> I believe we think it's. I believe we think it's on Hulu Plus. Believe we think it is. I believe we think so. Um, 
And it's not one of the ones that's on Netflix, if I remember correctly. It's definitely not. It's definitely not on Netflix. But at any rate, Planet of Fire is our Friday Night Who for the week of October 3rd, followed by our discussion of Kill the Moon. And then uh, October 10th, um, kind of getting into our, our Halloween mood a little early with Pyramids of Mars and Tom Baker, simply because the next episode's called Mummy on the Orient Express. So what what else were we going to do? There had to be a Mummy episode. Um, uh, Planet of Fire is not showing up in a search, so that might be one of the few... Few that are not on there. Oh, bother. Well, at any rate, if you can join us for those, please do. And if not, then we're so very sorry. <laughs> we, 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 we tried. We're sorry. We're so sorry. We're so sorry. So, so sorry. Um, obviously, the complete schedule up through the end of the uh, season is on our website. And a reminder that you can find us at www.travelingthevortex.com, where we have all kinds of things. Um... Not just episodes, but all kinds of things. And we're also on Twitter, which if you'd like to follow us is at Travel Vortex. Uh, we're also on Facebook, which I don't know the name of the page off the top of my head, but I believe it's Traveling the Vortex backslash Facebook. Or Facebook.com <laughs> backslash. That's yeah, the that's one. the one. Reverse that. Scratch it. Um, and we're on uh, Tumblr, and we're... Uh, of course, have our Patreon account, and Glenn does such a fine job saying, please, I'm going to let him uh, launch into that. <laughs> please... There you go. Please, please, uh, please, please. please. <laughs> continuing to solicit. We still need a server. Um, and if any of our listeners are tech savvy and have some suggestions, please feel free to email us at feedback at travelingthevortex.com. Because uh, we are um, running out of time here. <laughs> Maybe we'll get into a time loop and it'll self-resolve itself. <laughs> we won't have to worry about it. We're working... Hard behind the scenes here to make sure that we continue. But all the support we could get financially will help. And obviously, did you talk about Amazon and, or yeah, Amazon Store? And oh, I did not mention yeah, the Amazon, Amazon store. store. You can support us that way. Uh, Spreadshirt site. Spreadshirt. Uh, still working on getting some more designs up there, but we do have one up there. Um, there's coffee mugs. There's um, shot glasses. They're, those aren't very expensive. So if you're looking for a cheap gift for somebody, those, those are good. I should totally order a T-shirt for our next convention appearance. Yeah, like you almost tried. Like to do I this almost one. tried to do this. One. <laughs> well, and, and and we know now that uh, we will. Uh, wait, I don't know if we've got official dates yet, do we? For which one? For for Slash and Bash. Yeah, it was the twentieth and twenty first, I think, or twenty first and twenty second. If you're in Topeka and uh, around and available on the twenty, whatever, <laughs> what what date? Let me double check. We'll double check the dates uh, in October. Oh wait, I'm sorry. I think it's the twenty fifth and twenty sixth of October. I believe that's what he told us. We think it's the 25th and 26th. We'll, we'll, we'll get that confirmed and have that, that posted somewhere. Um, <laughs> and, and posted on all the various uh, mentioned uh, sundry places that we will be uh, uh, having a, a table at Slash and Bash, which is to be because horror science fiction uh, um, movie festival. festival. I was struggling for the word. It was uh, right there. Well, because convention is always... That's what's been popped in my head. It's a film festival with sci-fi and horror. And so we'll have a table there, and you can come say hi and pick up a flyer, and the flyer will list all those places that we just gave you where you can go and find us. And Keith's nodding his head because he's falling asleep. He's going to be there. He'll be there this time. I will be there this time. He'll be there this time. And maybe if we all ask nicely and clap our hands and wish, he'll show up as the 11th Doctor. Maybe. Yes. Maybe. Wishing. I'm wishing. It'll be good weather to wear tweed. 
uh, you know, I was walking across campus the other day, and that storm had come through, and the clouds and everything. And it was—it's one of my perfect days. I love days that are overcast and about yeah. 60, 70 degrees. I just—I get real Melancholy excited. Melancholy days, I yeah. Love them too. I don't know why. I just really like those days. And then I had the thought: oh, it's almost scarf weather. <laughs> the scarf will be making an appearance soon. Uh, if there is nothing else, I will leave you with. I thought was a, a bit of a comedy moment um, when we were watching. Uh, this episode tonight, Time Heist, with my family. <laughs> my son, who's watching along with us, who's six, mind you, when the teller, when the doctor has resolved what's happening here, and they go to open the door to find the teller's mate that has been trapped, the doctor opens the door, and my my son says... Hey, why is that one in there sitting on the toilet? <laughs> and then he said, we said, no, he's, it, it's locked in a cave. That's the other one's girlfriend. And he goes, oh, I thought it was just sitting there reading the paper on the toilet. <laughs> so that's Doctor Who from a six-year-old perspective there. This should be a new segment every week. <laughs> Please regale us with more toilet stories. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what my son got out of that. Yeah, now, that's going to do. Now, well, more importantly, where do you read the paper at your house that your son <laughs> would pick up on this? Maybe in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You heard it here first. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.